a web any size. Catch your seeds just like flies. Look out! Here comes the Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Amazing Spider-Man Classics, in association with SpiderManCrawlspace.com. My name is John Wilson, I want to thank you for downloading this episode. With me here are Josh Bertoni. Hello, people. <laughs> and Don Grant. How you doing, Dad? Y'all alright, son? And we have a very special episode before us tonight. Tonight is the night when Peter Parker at long last comes face to face with his future long-term domestic partner, Miss Mary Jane Watson. And to be Mary Jane Watson. Yes. And to look at the event and discuss it with us, we have the webhead webmaster himself from the Spider-Man Crawl Space, Mr. Brad Douglas. In association with the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast, podca- what the hell is my website's name? Crawl Space. <laughs> I don't I'm know. You that, got banned. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally banned from it. I can't even say my own website. Thank you for having me on, though. This is one of my favorite issues when they introduce Mary Jane. I think when you start up the show, I, I was like, if I'm going to be on, I want to be on for... The Rhino and Mary Jane. Yes. Well, I keep on trying to satisfy you with other issues, but like, no, 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 I'm I'm coming back, I'm coming back. I'm holding out for the redhead, just like Charlie Brown. Oh, yes. Charlie Brown knew (laughs) what he was doing. (laughs) Smartest six-year-old I ever saw. Yep, and he was bald, too. Yeah. (laughs) Before we go over it further, I do want to remind you that every episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics is brought to you by Roll to Play, your online source for games and gaming accessories, where you can now get any product from the Settlers of Catan line of games at 10% off. One of these items is the game called Settlers of America Trails to Rails, which utilizes the familiar Catan hex tile grid to present a map of the United States. Players collect and trade resources in order to purchase, migrate, and build settlements, forge railroads, and acquire locomotives. Railroads are used to distribute goods to the interconnected cities. As westward locations are settled, old sources of resources are depleted, and the addition of gold can add to the depth of play and increase options for the players. Sounds to me like a great way to spend a family afternoon, and that is available for 10% off the retail price at Roll2Play.com. You can also find the store on Facebook by searching Roll2Play, all one word spelled with the number 2. And, you know, Brad, there's something yeah. I always ask people who come onto the show, but here it is your fourth time to be with us, and I have never asked you. Mm-hmm. How is it that you got into comics? How did you get to be a Spider-Man fan? Uh, let's see. Um, probably the first exposure to Spider-Man was on The Electric Company on PBS. And I also remember in the afternoon they would rerun the old 1960s Spider-Man show. And so that was probably the first time I saw him. And then back in the days, back in the late 70s, remember back when they didn't have electricity? Anyway. Because uh, <laughs> of all the brownouts. Uh, imagine my mom took me to a gas station to fill up the car, and we went in, and I saw a spinner rack. And one of the early spinner racks I remember uh, was in a gas station. I picked up Marvel Team-Up Annual Number 2 with uh, Spider-Man between two giant balls, and I kid you not, <laughs> electrical balls, nice. and uh, the Hulk approaching him from behind, getting ready to attack. And it was 75 cents, I think, is what the cover price, but it was an annual, so it was big. If we make it to 1978 or 79 or whenever that issue came out, you're definitely going to be on for that one. Sweet. I also remember picking up some comics in a bag where they had three of them, 
bunched together. And I got uh, Amazing Spider-Man 179 where he's falling and the goblins zapping him. It's got like a yellow background. He's falling like into the, some seats in the balcony or something like that. And also in that in that three pack was Captain America 222, where um, uh, Abraham the statue of Abraham Lincoln came alive and was attacking Cap. <laughs> and <laughs> and oh, it was a Hulk issue too. So I got like a Spidey, a Hulk, and a Cap. And the Hulk and Spidey just captured my attention. Very, very cool. You know, you start with the electric company. Um, my son just turned two, and this week I started reading to him from comics at night, and I decided to go with the Spidey Super Stories comics that tied into the electric company because those are like five or six page stories, which is a perfect attention span and perfect, you know, vocabulary level for him. So he's those been. Those were some of my favorites too. I had, and they had awesome looking Romita senior covers. Yes, we were, we were using those at the beginning of the school year to help uh, one of the kids I work with learn how to read. They they worked quite well. I say omnibus. What do you think? Or trades? Do, do, do the essential treatment for the Spidey Super Stories. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're hilarious. There was like one where like Spider Man got shrunk by the Green Goblin, and then the Green Goblin like threw him into a sewer drain. Yeah. I can't. Wasn't there another one with like an minute. Easter Bunny? I saw. I was at a convention a couple months ago, and they had the very first issue of Super Stories for forty bucks, and I was like, I really can't justify. Yeah, that. <laughs> but I, I like, can't read too many of them in a row, but they're really great for reading with young kids. Yeah, no doubt. And how did the Crawl Space website and podcast come about? Uh, nineteen ninety eight is when the Crawl Space went online. Um, I had my nice Windows ninety five computer. <laughs> and I was on dial-up, and I saw a little ad when I was surfing for porn. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No, um, it was advertising GeoCities, and it said, you can have your own free website. And I was like, wow, really? No money down? Uh, so I clicked on GeoCities, and this is back in the day where you had to manually – uh, type in the HTML code, IMG SRC equals the image location, right, stuff like that. Right. So um, there was no YC wig like they eventually upgraded to. So the crawl space in 98 consisted of Welcome to the Crawl Space and a picture of Chapter 1 by John Byrne. That's all the crawl space consisted of in 1998 because that's <laughs> all I could figure out how to do is to post one picture. And I think I may have gotten a background or something like that because that took forever to figure out. But I'm like, you know what? It'd be fun. What can I talk to other people about, um, which I love, which is Spider-Man, because I never really had any friends in school. Uh, well, that sounds bad. Let me finish the sentence. Uh, I never really had any friends in school that liked Spider-Man as much as I do. No, nobody went to the, the comic store with me to buy comics and, and etc. So I was like, you know what? This internet thing would be kind of fun to see if anybody wants to talk Spider-Man. Once I figured out a little bit more, I found out you can put a, a message board with your site and uh, an, ad an address book. You remember those? People would log in and say, I love your website. S so far, I had uh, two people within the first month posted. One was selling me Viagra, and one was my mom said I was cool. So that was <laughs> <laughs> Nice. That was about the extent of the address book. I do remember those where you're like, basically, you, you, you leave a signature saying you were there. Exactly. It was like it's like a modern Facebook comment, you know. Right. And uh, nobody does those anymore. Anyway, that's what the crawl space consisted of. And slowly, uh, I think like in 2000 or 99, I registered the domain and I bought uh, Microsoft Front Page, which is a, a website editor, 
and it basically made me learn how to do, I mean, I guess HTML. And uh, the site got bigger and bigger as I learned programming a little bit more, how to update websites. And the biggest, I think, upgrade to the site came in like I'd say 2006 or something. Whenever I got to the WordPress format, where I could um, uh, have more than just myself updating it. <laughs> I see. You know, and I had some contributors to help me with the reviews. In the past, people would email me their reviews, and I'd have to manually go up there and, and cut and paste and put them up there and add a picture and all that stuff. And the, the reviews were several months late. Um, so that was like 2006 when it really was gangbusters. In, in 2002, uh, it, it got a bit bit of uh, attention with Entertainment Weekly. They did a little uh, article about the new Spider-Man movie coming out. And a reporter and I talked on the phone, and we um, – I actually have that issue. It's got uh, Joey from Friends on the cover, and on the back page, it's, I, I've actually scanned it. It's on the crawl space, and it, it uh, quotes me in it. Also, we were the site of the day for usatoday.com. Oh, nice. It came out. And so um, every time a movie comes out, the, pop, the hits go up, etc. But uh, when the podcast about the podcast, 2006 is when we started that up, and kind of similar to the website, uh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, I knew I had to have Zach and, and Kev with me, <laughs> and kind of like uh, I had to learn about audio instead of uh, uh, programming. So I, I had to figure out how the hell do I record people's voices and connect them. Then I learned right. about Skype, and then I learned about Pamela, etc. And a recording program and an editing program. I enjoyed listening through all the backlog of episodes. I finally got caught up a oh, few cool. months ago. 133 and, uh, of them as of yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Other than some audio syncing issues in some of the early yeah. episodes that admittedly got a little you know, pretty bad at points. But the, the content itself was great. I thought y'all did a great job from word go uh, you, as far as the content of the show goes. Yeah, I, I, it hasn't really changed that much. I, I tend to li- make it like a radio show. Where we have several topics we discuss and then open it up to callers or message board callers, I, I call them, etc. So it's like the Larry King of Spider-Man. <laughs> well, um, we are going to be talking tonight about the uh, first appearance of Mary Jane. And Woo-hoo. she uh, showed up in the last panel of Amazing Spider-Man 42, and then a full-fledged appearance in 43. Gotcha. All right, you Amazing Spider-Man Classics listeners, it's time to go to the Classics Mailbag and see what you, the listeners, have to say to us. <laughs> what do we have for us today, Flash Thompson slash Peter Parker? <laughs> we just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. Oh, wait, I forgot to do the the, the mail time. Mail time! There Anyone know? Go. Let's go blues, 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 blues. I'm Here's sorry. the mail. It never fails to make me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Mail. You have any clue, John? Do you have any clue? And you, you know, you know, you're really not supposed to. I know what Blues Clues is. I do not recognize what y'all are doing with it. <laughs> they, they would get mail from from, from their uh, from their viewers. Well, not real mail. It was like, oh, let's. Th-. It would usually be like, like, hi, Steve. We're doing finger painting in school today, and then like videos of them finger painting. But they, he'd always have a song whenever they went to the mailbox. I was surprised I, I didn't come across that when I was, you know, looking for some like nostalgia drugs when you were on your cruise, Josh. 
<laughs> in between in, the, in between Richard Scary and Little Bear. Our first email today is from Oliver Villar. It's called Episode 24, ASM numbers 35 and 36. He says, "Hello all. Hello mom, I'm your cherry bomb." Suggestive. Sorry. Another enjoyable episode. When you were reading the emails, you mentioned Daredevil, number 118, with the Circus of Crime. I'm trying to remember what 35 and 36 were. Oh, we were reading the emails on that episode, so we're probably talking about it, issue 24 with the circus. So, okay. While I was listening, I looked it up, and although Princess Python wasn't on the cover, she is in the story. In fact, Daredevil kills her python in order to free himself from it. <laughs> the story was written by Jerry Conway and was out in the same month as his Mysterio story in Amazing Spider-Man number 141. Okay, so first Jerry Conway kills Peter's girlfriend, and then he kills Princess Python's sex toy? Oh no, not only that, in that Mysterio story from 141, he kills Quentin Beck off off-panel. Like, Peter I just did... walks into the Daily Bugle office, and Ned and Betty are like, but you didn't fight Mysterio. He's been He's dead been for dead. months. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know that Conway was on ASM and Daredevil at the same time. I really didn't know that. I didn't either. wonder if he had any team-ups in there. I don't remember any, te- any yeah, Daredevil team-ups. He's old, too. God, this guy. I don't know. If anyone's familiar, Oliver continues, with superdickery.com. Oh, Yes. The last panel on page 13 of issue 35 could come off as an out-of-context panel. Okay, now we've got to look this up. All right, I'm looking. Uh, 35, 35. Okay, 35 is the Molten Man one, and he says page 13. (laughs) It's probably him getting hogtied all naked. It really probably is. Okay. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. Tell me I'm wrong. The last panel, oh, Lord, has... um, his legs sticking out of the like, thing. Like, Molten Man's legs sticking out from behind a desk, and Peter Parker throwing stuff out of the way so he can get down there to him. And it says, boy, you'll try anything when you're desperate, huh? But a few wild kicks aren't going to stop me now, you golden goon. <laughs> that is actually kind of funny. Don't you wish your stepbrother was hot like me? <laughs> he's not hot. He's Molten. With the powers well, of Molten. He will be in the Conway run. And then the uh, the last panel on page 13 of issue 36, which is the meteor issue, page I'm on 13. It. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I know where he's going with this. He says has that spidey pose that was quite that was used quite often during the 1960s animated series. And it was. I I, I reckon it, I'll post a picture to this on the Libsyn page. It's just a um it's a panel of him kind of in a I was going one way but now I'm going to go another way kind of pose and and yeah, I do remember seeing that on this on the '60s animated series. The next page is that scary Gwen panel <laughs> with the Spock eyebrows and the like every Steve Ditko Gwen panel. <sighs> and he says, "Looking forward to the next episode as always. Keep him coming, Oliver Villar. P.S. The R in my last name is pronounced as is. In other words, it rhymes with car. I think I said Villar at one point before, but I think I've been saying Villar since then. So hopefully, I'm saying your name right, Oliver." because I want to do that. David Zamora writes, Hey there, webheads. What's going on in the world of the 60s Spidey? I thank you guys for this wonderful show. It's entertaining, informative, and filled to the brim with laugh-out moments. You guys have led me to purchase the essentials, and I am enjoying them a lot. My only problem is the dialogue, which was written in the 60s by a middle-aged man with absolutely no grasp of teenagers, what teenagers talk like. Oh, you don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really... 
<laughs> what do I know? Maybe teenagers do talk like that back then. Anyway, this is a really fun show, and I hope that you guys will last until, at the very least, the 300s of ASM, and the most, the end of comics. <laughs> we, we, we would turn into robots by that time. <laughs> so, speaking of which, I look, forward to, I look forward to John's head in the jar with... <laughs> okay. I look forward to John's head in the jar with spider legs, Josh's children replacing him, and Donovan being an android. Mabu <laughs> And now, let's do a clip of exactly how that would sound. (laughs) Science. Science. Science, folks. Hello. (laughs) We're bringing that back. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, He he continues. Um, David Zamora, a.k.a. Iron Patriot from the Crawl Space. P.S. I put exclamation points and question marks on all my sentences because it's easier to see. Also, why the fudge, <laughs> why the fudge didn't you do Fantastic Four Annual 3, The Marriage of Sue and Reed? Okay, that's all. Also, you can read this on the air if you want to. I don't uh, think we will, though. Yeah, we won't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did cover the Fantastic Four Annual 3. It was brief because Spider was only in it for two panels or so, but we did cover the book. That is correct. <laughs> Shit, so... <laughs> <laughs> you should everything in a, stalt, in, a, in a stilted monotone from now on Bullsheasy. my children will replace me after I sire a child I still haven't officially sired one yet <laughs> this one is from Gerard Delator the second dear classics crew I think I can shed some light on the Frank Giacoya Frank Ray confusion from Daredevil 16 which was covered in episode 25, it's possible that Giacoya was previously a DC staffer. Back then, it was fairly common for one company staff artists, usually inkers, to pad their income by secretly doing freelance work with another company, taking a pseudonym in the process. This was the case with Werner Roth slash Jay Gavin, as mentioned in the previous episode, the one I guest starred on. And it will be the case very soon in your coverage of The Amazing Spider-Man, where Mike Esposito begins inking the book under the name Mike DeMio. Anyway... The Giacoya Ray situation may be a case in which the artist decided to peel back the current a bit. Perhaps when he became a staff artist at Marvel, a job which he would keep for the majority of the 60s and 70s, he thought it would be cool to reveal his secret and to use both names interchangeably as some sort of gag. For example, the credit goes back to Frank Ray in Daredevil 17. This is interesting. As far as the John Romita situation, it's not only Stan that has relayed the story of Romita secretly being tested for Amazing Spider-Man. Romita himself relayed the story in an interview with Jim Keefe in the late 80s, which you can find here at keefstudios.com slash studio slash Romita slash interview dot htm. Everyone type that in. <laughs> nice job on the spot. Yeah. I know, right? In the same interview, he also says that he intentionally drew Spider-Man to resemble Dicko's rendition in the Daredevil stories and gradually steered the design in his own direction as he got comfortable in his run on The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, and then he has a um, transcript here from the interview. I want to be John Romita. Yeah, you can be. Okay. It was difficult. See, at the time, the books had a very definite look. I'm not doing an impression. I'm just being silly. (laughs) The books had a very definite look. For three years, Spider-Man was Ditko. And for ten years, Fantastic Four was Kirby. I didn't feel like anyone had the right to change it. When I did the Fantastic Four, I did it as Kirby. If it looked like me, it's only because I couldn't mimic him any better. When I took over Spider-Man for the first three to four years, I was mimicking Ditko. If you look at my Daredevil, I did Daredevil my own way. Deep shadows and lots of bone structure. I noticed when Spider-Man first appeared in Daredevil, it looked a lot like Ditko Spider-Man. 
What Stanley wanted was for me to do a two-part Daredevil story with Spider-Man as a guest star to see how I handled the character. So when I did Spider-Man, it was like Dick Tracy was guest starring in Daredevil. If Dick Tracy were guest starring in Daredevil, I would have tried to assimilate that different technique and done him like Chester Gold. That was the way I thought Spider-Man should be done, like Ditko. For the first three or four years I did Spider-Man, it was all Ditko. It was a thin line Ditko simulation. And if Peter Parker changed, it was because I couldn't help it. Stanley used to come up to me and say I was making him too good-looking. I was making him too brawny. But I couldn't stop myself. It was the only way I could draw him. Uh, I'm not sure if I... Uh, I hope this is interesting info to you guys. Until next time, Gerard Delator. Interesting, to say the least. You go, John, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll uh, catch you back. I was just saying, I'm not sure that I entirely believe that. And not to say that he's lying, but just that he might be misremembering. Um, Ramita only did the main art chores on Spider-Man for like 20 issues. Ex- yeah, exactly. I was just about to say, like, I'll buy it maybe the first couple of months, three years. Um, By then it, it was John Buscema and Jim. Yeah, if, if, if you look at like the Ramita era, the, the, the amazing issues that Ramita penciled, you have the first few ones which were inked. Then you have a few several which he did the penciling and inking, which to me looked like classic John Romita. Even if he was trying to do Ditko, it looks just like John Romita style artwork. And then later on, when he was inking Gil Kane, like right, right around the, 100, the early 100s with the uh, the death of Gwen Stacy and everything, that to everyone's mind is what they think of when they think of John Romita Spider Man. And we'll, we'll get we'll, when we get there later on, I'll, I'll elaborate more on that, but. Yeah, three or four years. I mean, if you look at the work, that just does not add up. But honestly, it's probably a case of him misrem- misremembering. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, I'm just I brought up the the Marvel Comics creators database, just looking to see what issue John Romita lo- uh, loses the pencil chores on. And it's, it's it's the last. It's the one where Doctor Octopus like. Like it's like living with Aunt May. Fifty-seven, the coming of Kazar. He's teamed up with Don Heck, and that goes for several issues. Like he's doing layouts, and Don, and Don Heck is doing pencils. I think Marino does. He's he's on the book doing something for several years, but I don't think it's until uh, Gil Kane is a solo. I don't think it's until Gil Kane is a solo artist that Romita leaves the book. And even then, it was like for six months or so. 69 you have john ramita on pencils with jim mooney and jim mooney inking like ramita's laying out and jim mooney's doing uh the pencil and inking you know full pencils and inking um john buscema and jim mooney okay starting with issue 76 john ramita is not doing interior art 76 the lizard lives there's no john ramita on the inside at that point oh that's the the time tablet time mark yeah you're right at the end of the time tablet time yeah what you said yeah. <laughs> so you know he's he's not the artist like Steve Ditko was for very long. No, he really isn't. But it's very interesting because you know he left such an indelible stamp. But like his actual his actual output was. Um, I mean, he worked on the on the character for several years, but like strictly as a as a solo penciler, it just was not that much. It's kind of fascinating actually well but but he but he came back a few times like yeah, yeah he did there, there was there was a there was an issue like in the wolfman run right where he did one random issue where he came back and i was so happy when i saw well him. i mean even before gwen died um he came back a few times. the drug arc was another uh the first part of the drug trilogy he inks gil kane and the art the art looks like clear dicko but then like the parts two and three it's gil kane penciling and you can tell it's gil kane 
compared to part one. And during a lot of the time, whenever he wasn't on Amazing Spider-Man, he was on the Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, really? Oh, I, I, I see. I'm not, I've really not read too many early Spec Spidey. I, I, just mean, I mean, I mean the two, uh, the two yeah. issue series. It didn't go. That the second one has the Green Goblin returning. Oh, right. Oh, right. Is, and they the reprinted the one for like, like, like the politician and all that. Yeah, the first one was full. It was a full gray tone penciled issue, no colors. And that was beautiful, but it took him a long time to do. So he wasn't doing amazing during that time. And then he did um, issue two with uh, Green Goblin. And I think that the art process might have been a little bit more involved on that one, too, because they were using, you know, they were aiming for the other market. I don't really know a whole lot of details on that. I was going to look it up when we got closer. The next email is from Elijah Rinkin. It's called Great Show. He says, hi, everyone. My name is Elijah. Hi, Elijah. John might know me from an old email I sent to him on Teenage Wasteland. I do remember that. John, sorry for not responding soon. Our computer crashed. No worries there, Elijah. I tried responding on Teenage Wasteland, but it kept saying the email didn't go through. Um, we are at TeenageWasteland133 at gmail.com, so I'm not sure what might have been going wrong there. Anyways, he says, good job on both your podcasts. I enjoy all the funny jokes. I must say that I most enjoy Donovan Morgan Grant. <laughs> he is so funny. Looking. No, that, that was me. <laughs> How sweet of you. Well, hope you guys have fun and keep up the good work. Oh, yeah, before I forget, in Las Cruces, there is a movie bookstore called Hastings. They are starting to sell some old Amazing Spider-Mans. They have the first issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and it costs... <sighs> Wait, I can't remember. But just wanted to let you know, let you guys know, so take a trip to Hastings if you can, Elijah. Uh, yeah, for anyone who lives in a city that is not super huge but not super small either. Like Hastings has a weird market. They market medium-sized cities. Like um, there's one in Nacogdoches, Texas. There was one in Denton, Texas, but there are not any in Dallas, Fort Worth area. They have recently started selling comics again, new comics every week. And depending on what store that is, they're going to have a back issue selection of some sort. So yeah, if you live in in a city with a Hastings and you don't have a comic book shop, you can get your comics there. Elijah, you're my favorite emailer ever. <laughs> Keep on emailing back. <laughs> Oliver Villar returns to write. Hi, guys. I was listening to the episode in the letter by Bill Dargan in ASM 37 mentioned. In issue 234, Todd Wilson wrote that he was going through the old issues and came across Bill's letter in issue 37 about Spidey versus the Juggernaut suggestion, which is probably a sarcastic remark to begin with. Then in issue 242, Bill Dargan's reply to Todd's letter appears and mentions that he was currently working as a clinical laboratory scientist specializing in immunology. He also cited Marvel as being an influence in his life and success. Thought you guys might want to know this. Keep the podcast alive, Oliver. That's mildly interesting. So when did um when did he find the juggernaut? Was that around that time, 234, 242-ish? 229, 230, I think. Ah. Okay, so he's, he read the juggernaut issue and remembered the mention from issue 37 and sent in a letter about the letter. Oh, I remember the juggernaut issue. Somebody showed up to the Daily Bugle offices saying, oh, yeah, remember that job that I left so I can go to a therapist for a while? Yeah, give me that job back right now. Was that <laughs> Felicia Hardy that said that, Josh? Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Okay, well, that's really cool. Now, my question to you, Oliver, is how do you know that? How do you remember those things? But that's okay because I have a show with Josh. Johnny. That's supposed to be funny. Because, you know, Josh remembers all sorts of random things. But never mind. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it was funny. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere. 
So diving right in, Amazing Spider-Man 42 was released on August 9th, 1966, with a cover date of November. This is just one week after the annual that we covered last episode. So those were kind of going together in one month. And Donovan, take it away. Sir, Amazing Spider-Man number 42, the birth of a superhero. And in the cover image we have... Spider-Man getting pulverized by John Jameson, you know, J. John Jameson's astronaut son in some sort of crazy spacesuit with moon boots and yeah, it's weird. So going into the actual issue and going past that cover, we see again the title of The Birth of a Superhero with the credits produced by the batty bullpen sweetness Spideyophiles, Smiling Stanley writer, Jazzy Johnny Romita artist, and Slammy Sammy Rosen Litterer. The splash page actually starts off our story with Spider-Man swinging away from the nearest bank with a bag full of money and everyone around him saying that he's just robbed the bank. You know how you know it's a bag full of money? Because it has dollar signs on it. And a lock. (laughs) Otherwise, it could be anything. It could even be a bomb, but that won't happen. No, then it would have a TNT sign on it. It could be your wife's severed head. (laughs) It could be lots of horrible things that this, this issue doesn't include. So, it could be Betty Brands. That would be really horrible. You, you know, when I, when I reread this, there's a guy in a green sweater and yellow long sleeve shirt, and he's got a hand formation looks like a thwip. I was like, is he thwipping? No, but he's not. Look, oh, there's well, someone like the, the Spider-Man gang symbol. When, um, <laughs> I think he's not out. So we, we when we went to Disney World this week, there's a rock and roll like ride. And uh, Kathy was trying to make the rock and roll sign, but she was making the Spider-Man sign. I'm like, no, that's how Spider-Man shoots his webs. You have to put your thumb on the fingers. You're doing Spider-Man. You need to be doing Rockstar. <laughs> Wouldn't she also be doing, like, I love you? Yes, you would. That's, that's <laughs> sign language. Hey, I meant to, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, how are you guys reading this? I'm reading it in my uh, Marvel Masterworks number, vo- volume 22, first print from, let me see what year, 1992. Oh, nice. That's right about whenever I was reading Spider-Man comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading from the DVD that has the scans from Marvel. Cool. I have that. Motto. Essential Spider-Man. You're, you're uh, having a model two. read it to you? No, motto, motto meaning like I, I, I agree with Liz or John. In this oh, okay. Di- you mean ditto? People say motto. I've never, I've never heard someone say motto. What's meaning, a motto? Well, nothing. What's a motto with you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter, you space? <laughs> Why, when he was a young warthog? Um, I'm reading from Essential Spider-Man Volume Two. Okay. And, black and, and like th- the back issues where the annual is, they're falling out. <laughs> oh man, was that one of the first prints? Because the binding sucked on those early printings. Uh, no, it's not the first print. Cause it's the one with like the white backgrounds and just like the poses. It's like the 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 the, the next to latest printing of him, I think. Oh. Not the latest, but like the ones before the latest. Cool. So Spider-Man is swinging away from the bank with a bag of money, and we know it's a bag of money because of – just rewind the podcast and you'll listen. So <laughs> we, we see the bank manager or somebody who works in the bank showing that only Spider-Man could have broken in there and stolen it because there's bent bars everywhere. We see Spider-Man go to the Brooklyn Bridge slash George Washington Bridge slash question mark bridge and <laughs> toss the bag of money into the water saying, you know – that was what he had to do, and it'll be he, that was the easy part. The, Trying to the explain, that'll be the hangup. There you go. And now, now he's going to swing away back to Peter Parker. Then we cut to J, the Daily Bugle, where Betty Brant starts talking to Ned Leeds, flirting and you know saying, "It's so good to be back working here again, Ned, especially since you." Oh, it's Red Boswell. 
So we don't see what they're going to say, but Foswell comes in saying that Spider-Man just robbed a bank and he wants to tell J. Jonah Jameson right away because that just gets Jameson's blood going. Now the and, last and time Eddie Brandt's back, that that makes. I was just going to ask that because last time I was on the show, you were guy like, "This is the last time Brandt it was." It was the Craven issue that I reviewed with you guys, and that was her last appearance. And this is yeah, yeah, where where she quit her job, you know, yeah. in the middle of the night without notice and without giving them time. Yeah, yeah, that. But it's That's okay. hilarious. I was on her last appearance, and now she's back. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, yeah, it, it's 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 okay, you know, because it's they'll hire her back, you know, even though this is the second time since we've done the podcast that she's up and left them in the middle of the night because she also what, did that in issue ten, and it's okay because she's never gonna do that ever again. She's never gonna leave the Daily Bugle without notice. Settle down, Tiger. And it's not gonna be for a stupid bullshit reason next time. No. <laughs> Was it 34? Yeah, I was going to say the Craven issue was 34, and this okay. is 42. So. All right. Well, she wasn't gone that long. She came back in 40. Mary Jane 40. Went, left like 100 issues on Brand New Day, so it's all good. <laughs> Man. So we, we cut to the Kennedy Airport where J. J. Jonah Jameson is seeing his son, John Jameson, off. He's saying that he enjoyed his visit and he hopes he's doing well, but then John Jameson starts freaking out due to some spores he mentioned back in the last issue. Suddenly... He, she shows superhuman strength and starts destroying everything around him, not being able to keep his balance. He's growing and destroying his clothes, and and one instance is thrown through the wall just because of his incredible sense of balance. The uh, the NASA men come out of nowhere, and, and after an hour of some tests, they show that the spores have had a Jupiter-like gravity effect on him to where he has extreme strength and needs to be contained in a gravitational suit, which will weigh him down and keep him from falling over. Now, this was the only reference I saw in the entire issue to Jupiter, but he gets the name Captain Jupiter in the 90s cartoon, right? No, no the, the uh, Spectacular uh, Spider-Man cartoon. Spider-Man. Okay. I guess, I'm guessing this is where they get it from? I would assume so. Yeah, It's very old school. Like, like o- Only that kind of show would really pull out really innocuous reference like that out of it, but it's all it also works. Yeah, this is also indicative of how little we knew about the other planets in 1966 compared True. to today. Because yeah. <laughs> the notion that Jupiter was actually mostly gaseous, they just they just didn't understand that about no. the planet yet. And let's go to the uh, spider expert Bertoni. When was the last time we saw John Jameson? Was it issue one? Or has oh he no, been... no 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 no! This is um he he was in last issue too. Like they 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 they've been. They, I know, but since like forty torture. since forty one ish, has he been in like one to forty? Uh, no, no, no. That was his return since Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 1, but uh, he was in some issues of Untold Tales that took place chronologically uh, right. yeah. after, after this. He, but. He, he was used as a point of like irony for Spider-Man and Untold Tales. I was speculating that while he was doing uh, the Green Goblin story, he was also reading all the back catalog, and so he read issue one and decided to do something with John Jameson. Now, does he come back – because he becomes the Man-Wolf eventually, we all know. I'm yes, that's around 120-ish. Yeah, Does he show up again between uh, now and one twenty? Yeah, he yeah he's, okay. he, he's around during the Doctor Octopus. Um, oh yeah, yeah. After okay. this story that we're doing tonight, he's basically gone except for like a cameo here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he comes back for uh, several issues in a row during the, this long continued Doctor Octopus story. Okay, where Spider Man's brainwashed. Where he meets, where he meets what Bobby issues are those? Robinson. Is that sixty something? I think the, the late fifties, early sixties. Okay. Cool. He meets Robbie Robertson for the first time in that story, and then in the Manuel story, he's introduced to Robbie Robertson for the first time again. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked. That's 55 to 58 he's in. Okay. And um, 
just a couple other cameos besides that, and then there's the man wolf in the 120s. Right, right after Gwen and Green Goblin die, the, the man wolf story. Right. There's that uh, cover. Um. Oh no! Not like Gwen. That's how you know it's right after Gwen died. <laughs> Did anybody have that power record of the man wolf? No. Back in the day, this <laughs> was awesome. I actually put a YouTube video of, uh, up on the crawl space a couple weeks ago. Someone oh, right. uh, played the record, and then they uh, took scanned the images of that issue. So. So the concept of Jameson becoming you know a full fledged superhero is brought up to his father Jay Jonah Jameson, and he starts to freak out after everything he said from about Spider Man. But after me spending months writing editorials against superheroes, trying to ridicule them, to cut them down to size, still there's a difference. My son isn't a phoning superhero like that Fink Spider Man. So at, at, at this point, he gets a call from Foswell that Spider Man's allegedly robbed a bank, and he couldn't be happier. So he tries to convince his son to take Spider Man in and become an actual superhero, not not a menace. And he he turns to this sort of like really whimpering voice, trying to like, uh, portray pathos and sympathy to his to his much larger son. And he he actually says, "Don't you see? The webhead has fooled everyone all this time." I was the only one who saw through him, but I was a lone voice, crying in the wilderness. Nobody believed me. They all laughed at me. This <laughs> 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 is all J. Jonah Jameson. Like I don't know if he's I don't know if he's lying to his son. <laughs> I, I, he is, but I'm, I don't know if he's like really believing that or not. But I just found it pretty funny. So through uh, through that kind of bad acting, he tricks Jamie. <laughs> Let me rephrase. He doesn't trick his son, but he convinces his son to go after Spider-Man and take him in for the bank robbery. Someone from NASA sees this and says, what the F was that, Jameson? said, you can't, you can't send him along all by himself. We don't know how dangerous he is. He says, you bet it's dangerous to Spider-Man. You know, uh, one thing I've always wondered, we, we don't meet Marla until the eight, late 70s, early 80s. Of, have we ever met John Jameson's mom? In flashbacks, wasn't her name like Joan Jameson? Yeah, Greg, Greg Wiseman actually commented on one of my reviews saying that the Jameson's first wife was named Joan or something. But I don't—I've never read a comic book. Then that—then that's named after Stan's wife, Joan, possibly. That's true. That's cool. I just—I can't remember an issue where Jameson's first wife was ever in it. It's mostly like flashbacks and origin mm-hmm. stories or something, right? <laughs> the, the, there, there's um, I think it's Zeb Wells. There's like a story where like we find out like Tangle Web. <laughs> Yeah, where where uh, jo- Jonah's like, we see Jonah's first date with his wife, and like she fell in love with him, watching him like beat a guy up or something. I don't remember. <laughs> the only appearance I can see for Joan Jameson on the Chronology Project is Tangled Web number twenty in a flashback. Oh, that was like that big Jameson origin. That, that's and, uh, a mustache or something. Yeah. Marla Madison comes in in Amazing Spider-Man one hundred sixty-two, and she goes out in Amazing Spider-Man number six fifty-four. <laughs> she lasts just under 500 issues yep she also created spider slayers i've <laughs> never heard that mentioned before in every single appearance that she's had the past two years exactly now is it true that they were married or were they just in a committed relationship um the james well, nobody, nobody marries the marvel universe so. okay just checking <laughs> all, all, all those rings they're wearing yeah they're they're uh mood yeah. rings oh gotcha so from that scene, we cut to the we we cut back to the rhino who we saw taken out in the last issue, and the scientists are trying to wonder just what what gives him this credible power. Is it the costume? And they they can't even get the costume off. They can't even get tranquilizers through his body. 
elsewhere, we see Foggy Nelson being appointed by a judge to take over the Rhino case and represent him in a court of law. He, he suggests if Foggy won't do it, then Matt do it. But according to Daredevil number 21, Matt's out of out of city, out of town. He's uh, being held captive on an island by the owl. <laughs> yeah, he's doing that. <laughs> did Did you guys notice it looks like Daredevil's sails are in the toilet, hence Santa's trying to plug it in his most popular book. That could I, be. It was Although, was it? Ramita just left Daredevil yeah. uh, to do this book, and they just put Gene Colan on it. So it might be that they're they're trying to get into over there to look at the new art. And Gene Colan did pretty well on Daredevil for a long time. He even came back in the 90s to do some stuff on Daredevil. Really? Yeah, he did. I read I, it. I, I don't know that. I would be surprised if Daredevil was like selling poorly. I, I know it was never a top seller for a long I, time. but As far as I know, Daredevil didn't ever sell until the 80s and late 70s when Miller came on. It went bi-monthly for a while and it was on the verge of being canceled yep. whenever Frank Miller kept it on. Iron Man went bi-monthly several times, was on the verge of being canceled a few times, but kept on coming back. Yeah, that's why I think, because like, you hear like the Hulk and X-Men getting canceled. So I was wondering, like, like just, well, I guess, I guess you know, just because they're selling poorly doesn't mean they were canceled. Or I think the story I heard about the Hulk is that they could only produce so many titles or something like that, and the Hulk was actually an okay seller. But, I don't know. Anyway, I seem to remember reading an answer of Stanley saying something about why the Hulk canceled, but I don't remember exactly what he said. Well, Foggy Nelson is, you know, nice and quietly being appointed the counselor and appointed attorney for the Rhino. The Rhino busts open. He's suddenly conscious and starts beating everybody up. He is impervious to bullets and smashes through a brick wall. But then men of science tranquilize him with spray tranquilizer guns. I didn't know that was possible. Stop. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I love those huge sound effects. <laughs> Batum, brack, stomps, slack, slack. I don't, I don't know if slack was sound effect either. Yeah, they sprayed a tranquilizer thing, but you know because it's selective air, like it only goes to the part of the room that the rhino's in. So they don't, they don't even wear gas masks. Yeah, like how come That's they're not breathing this? That's funny. They're all, they're all <laughs> how long can we hold him? We can't keep him tranquilized indefinitely. He might even develop an immunity. Then what do we do? How can we hold him? I don't know, but it's a problem that must be solved, and quickly. If only we knew his origin! But then we go back to ESU, where Peter Parker just parks his newly bought motorcycle, talks to it as though we were a woman, and meets his friends Gwen, Harry, and and Flash. I say friends. (laughs) Stay there, sweetie. Don't get get too lonesome while I'm gone, baby. Check out them wheels. Check out the hubcaps. Yeah. 24 inch rims. <laughs> On the Impala. Sorry. <laughs> uh, poor Peter. Who's Pete, who's Parker talking to over there? His wheels. Who else? I bet you go I bet you take that cycle uh, to bed with you at night. Oh, and that's why it's uh Peter Parker's only had like one girlfriend at this point in his life. <laughs> and it was Betty Brant. Well, that, the, the, the motorcycle does vibrate as you ride it. <laughs> I don't want no banana in the tailpipe. Uh, Reference or, to what movie, anyone? A Muppet movie? Oh my god, no. That's from Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy. He puts the banana in the tailpipe. Oh, the right, right, yeah. right. It's getting a little late. I, don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I barely remember what, what, what character this is. You know, uh, Ramita's Gwen is just... Attractive. Well, he calls her a pinup in the last issue. So my goodness, a lot She's better pretty... looking than the last time I saw her with the Ditko issues. He's he's starting to change her. Of course, we have the headband now. Mm. Um, I the infamous the, headband. The debut of the headband. 
It is? Um, I think. Okay. But um, she, even when Romita started, she still had like really arched eyebrows like Ditka would draw. And I think he's slowly softening her yeah. and intending it to be a process. Or maybe he's not even consciously doing it. But um, but he's definitely softening her over time. What's up with the uh, Harry Osborne's receding hairline in college? I feel bad for him. It's not a receding hairline. It's sort of like a widow's peak where it's just, for some reason, his hair grows that V shape. Yeah. Gwen's got one, too. <laughs> 19-year-old <laughs> male pattern baldness. Yeah, first headband, which, like, is attached to her skull, like, now in every single flashback that she's in. <laughs> yeah, every single flashback. Not, 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 actual, not chronological appearance, but the flashback. She's like... When when I when I didn't save Gwen, her headband it died with her. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Well, like every time someone remember, oh, the good old days with Gwen and Harry and MJ and and Flash at ESU, Gwen's always in the headband. And like bonus points if she's also in like you know the the trench coat and the green and stuff. Well, to be fair, Harry's always with the bow tie himself. I mean, he didn't he didn't always wear a bow tie in the later issues. He he wore like a, like a turtle turtle neck and stuff like that. I wonder if people in the '60s when they went to college. Or this stuff? No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, really? Right. I mean, like the sport coat and the tie and the. If you were nerds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stan Lee's <laughs> friends. So yeah, in, the, in this page, the Green Goblin steals Venom's girlfriend. Uh, wow. I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to do the math in this one. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> what did you say the Green Goblin stole what? The Green Goblin stole Venom's girlfriend. I, I was I was going I was going to like uh play as the woman and the man and the other man and the other man. Oh, I get it. I get it. Flash is Venom. Okay, I was like, what the hell? And and Harry's the Green Goblin. Oh, got it. How about coming to a party at my house Sunday, Pete? Love to, Gwen. At last. They're really beginning to accept me. It's going to be great. I just remembered. I (laughs) promised Aunt May I'd meet Mary Jane Watson at dinner Sunday night. I just can't back out again. Gosh, Gwen. I'm sorry. I just realized no need to explain attendance isn't compulsory so she tells him off and peter feels bad but as flash is giving him a good ribbing flash thompson it so happens that nobody asked you say don't tell me that peony parker puts you on gwen not a chick like you don't worry my fatuous friend i won't tell you fatuous forget it flash it's more than one syllable so you wouldn't understand yeah, help, help, help a brother. I don't know what fa- fatuous means. Is that no, fat It's joke? more than one syllable, Brad <laughs> Douglas. You just <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it, it was a fat joke. Okay, let me Google it. It, it means silly or foolish. Yeah, oh, it, it. It's Latin. John Wilson, my thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I, I use dictionary.com at 3 o'clock today. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, love, I love that shot of Flash like, behind his head as he as he's like, what? What'd you call me? <laughs> like, thought you would. Say what? In 1966. This is 67 or 66? This is 66. Okay. That, that, was, that was the worst F word you could give to somebody. <laughs> you, Gwen called me the F word. You mean she called you? Yeah, fatuous. Aunt <laughs> <laughs> uh, May, you know, faints and has a heart attack and dies. You, oh, you Peter. <laughs> she, watches, she washes Peter's mouth out with soap. Oh, Back we're off, talking mother fatuous. We're talking about language. Uh, he says, don't tell me that Penny Parker puts you on, Gwen. Uh, has anybody said that to, you know, get a girl in their arms? Because I, I can't say I have. I'm guessing, like, it's a more mild version of turn you on. Like, Well, even now, I think turn you on isn't a dirty euphemism. It can be, but typically it isn't. Don't tell me that Penny Parker wets your shorts, Gwen. Oh, that puts is. Puts you on. I, 
I, I think it's definitely turn you on in the sixties speak. Not yeah. a chick like you. Not you, Gwen. Not my precious Gwen. See you. See you later, guys. Gwen and I are going to make the scene at the Silver Spoon. Silver spoons together. That's what they're singing on the way over there. <laughs> Remember the Ricky Schroeder? Yes, and I, I, I actually sing that song quite a bit. <laughs> it's always the... Here we are, face to face, a couple of silver spoons. This is a cool episode, I'm telling John, you. John, I don't know what you're talking about. Put the music behind us. Oh my god. It was an '80s wow. sitcom. This um, yeah, back in the '80s, Don, there was sitcoms. <laughs> yeah, I, I was only I was only like like less than double digits months old. This billionaire adopts this boy. And um, basically turns his mansion into this fun house for the kid. There's a train that rides through the living room and video games, dude. Yeah, living room. Amazing Spider-Man Classics was filmed before a live studio audience. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Hey, is dinner ready? (laughs) Don, you got to sit on it. Go to YouTube. Type in Silver Spoons. Uh, sitcom and you'll never can remember the fourth line making it go making it grow I always sang hoping yeah. to find we're two, two of a kind pretending we're gay every <laughs> day together <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was a silver spoon I thought they always went to the coffee bean now the silver spoon is the yeah. dicko version the coffee bean is the remita version correct Josh for the most part yeah, I mean, have have have, have, they, have they had silver spoon prior to now? I think yeah, they have. First mention. Okay, it's yeah, be the coffee bean soon. Yeah, it's going to be the coffee bean uh, very very soon. When, but when, yeah, when, when turns into like you know typical Gwen Stacy design, they'll have coffee bean. So they've never gone to the coffee bean or the AKA silver spoon before. Oh, it's two different places. In Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, they both uh, exist separately. Though in the '90s series, they had the coffee bean. I don't talk about the comics. I don't have my index with me to look up the Silver Spoon's first appearance. Like, oh, well. Like they, like they know and we don't. Ha, ha, ha. What folly. <laughs> oh, oh, read, a, read Peter Parker's next speech balloon there, Don, because I need to point something out to you. Okay. Um, uh, see you later, guys. We're going to make the scene the Silver Spoon. It's like an Aesop's Fable Flash. You needle me about your gap. Oh, no. You needle me about who? Okay, it's like an eighth single flash. You needle me about your gal, Harry, and Harry Osborne walks away with her. Very you, you, you needle me about who? Who is he needling her about? About, I, about uh, Flash Thompson's gal, right? Okay, we're we doing this. Are we yeah, doing this? Doing this. Doing what? <clears throat> okay. Um, uh, I'm there's... getting best out and taking my shirt off. Whoa. To Brad Douglas and to the listeners who aren't aware Thank of what's you. going on behind the scenes. There is some okay. debate in um, the circle amongst the classics crowd Alrighty. of what exactly was the nature of Gwen's and Flash's relationship. Completely platonic, in my opinion. Josh and Bertone got into an argument about Josh whether Bertone. or not you could say that Gwen and Flash were dating. Oh, yeah, that's his girl. Yeah. <sighs> References and the upcoming issues to 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 the fact that they're dating. Like, there's one point where it's Flash and Harry and and Peter and Flash is like, "See you later, guys. I'm going on a date with Gwen to the Silver Spoon." And there, there's a few references. And then when Flash goes away to the army, all these guys are like, "Who's going to take Flash's place with you?" And then she says, "Guess I'm up for grabs." So it's there's references to them dating. Uh, as 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 stupid as this sounds, I don't know. I always took those things as, as very light of heart. I mean, even Peter when he says needle needle me about your gal, 
Flash, like, you know, very funny. He's not, he's not like going to beat up Harry. He just, he just stands there and does nothing. Well, because they're not going steady. I mean, Gwen's, you know, allowed to date whoever she. But there's they references. Steady in college, though. I mean, that's more of a high school thing. You know, well, whatever you want to call. Let's see. Then it becomes how are you defining the labels? Yeah, I guess. Because I think <laughs> that they're dating. They might even, you know. I don't think that they slept together, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have. I think that they're dating as much as Peter and Liz dated in high school. Uh, I disagree with that. I think I it's think slightly more than Peter and Liz because Peter never cared. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, they're, they're, I, I don't know what, what else you need, Dom, because there's like multiple characters. Gwen makes <laughs> reference to them dating. Harry may, Flash makes reference to them dating. Peter makes reference to them dating. I mean, well, what half you... the time the characters aren't really serious about it. That's that's my only thing. Well, okay, so why wasn't Gwen being serious about it when all those men were like, "Oh, you and Flash," you know, like, like each and every time that it was spoken about, the characters were joking. That's a very big coincidence. <clears throat> what a coincidence! All the same. What, 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 what do you think, Brad? We're, we're Flash and Gwen dating. Well, from that on? from that line, yes. No. Kick him I, off, I, John. The way that Flash reacts when he comes back from the army around the Dr. Octopus arc, it's like he thought that the relationship was more serious than it was. Like he – because he's mad he because he – the relationship was more serious than it was. Yeah, he thought it was more. But like you know, to Gwen, it was probably just like you know a date here and a date there, you know, but like nothing serious. To Flash, he probably thought that like this was going to be like you know homecoming king and queen or something. They had romantic outings or at least semi-romantic outings and Flash read into it more than Gwen did, but they were dating. <laughs> I disagree. Okay, well, um, they're doing something that makes Peter say it's Flash's. He's she's Flash's girl. Yeah, they 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 make fun of Peter together. Yeah, they, they, it, it, it's weird, you know. Peter says it, Harry says it, Flash says it, the guys say it to Gwen, Gwen says it, but it's a it's a whole big joke that everyone in ESU is on, and in fact, it's a joke that carries out over the course of multiple issues. Well, they're all written by Stanley, and Stanley's a pretty funny guy. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy who wasn't there 40 years later says, actually, all the people who were there don't understand the situation. I'm going to tell you what was really happening. And that man's name was Donovan Morgan. And this is just one. This is this is just one issue. I mean, we're going to get to more issues where they make reference to it. So it's okay, Don. You're allowed to be wrong. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave the call again like I did last week. <laughs> There, there's overwhelming yeah. evidence to the contrary. There's not overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Gwen, Peter, Flash, Harry, like... You put up 15 that, 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 with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's probably enough for now, but I did want to make the point. Yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten about it. This isn't over. I, I, I still I still very much make my claim, but whatever. It's not over. We'll just continue to stack the deck against you. Sounds and by like, stack the deck, I mean just read what's on the page, page and show it to you and have you deny it. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, on page nine, uh, <laughs> Peter <laughs> um, walks me, down the this. steps with a Star Trek fan coming at her in a green shirt with a Star Trek. Um, so to meet Mary Jane Watson on Sunday as I am to meet the Hulk. She'll probably look like him. So Peter's thinking about women, as he's, he's often want to do, and then that thinking on his motorcycle turns into swinging as Spider-Man. So he's web-slinging around town until he sees the the colonel in his space suit. So he recognizes the colonel. You know, he's he's not 
really caught unawares. He's just like, hey, what's up, playa? What's going on? But, you know, <laughs> Carl Jameson is like, That's awesome. oh, really? You robbed that bank and try to play nice to me? And so he punches him out. The two battle for a bit, and he manages to break off Spider-Man's webbing, as every single villain does. And as Spider-Man is thinking to himself, how can I get mad at a fellow who thinks he's fighting for just truth, justice, and mom's apple pie? He's still wondering how he got so blamed powerful. So the battle continues until there's one point where after he throws a blow at Jameson, he just shrugs it off and starts walking towards Spider-Man like Frankenstein's monster. Spider-Man webs uh, some flying bricks and slams them into his face, and then... And as a result, John Jameson misses his wedding. <laughs> the brick in his face. He's a brick house. <laughs> she she, she hope is waiting there at the altor. <laughs> One moment in space. Hey, look, there's a red bird on the... Le- no, just kidding. <laughs> So Spider-Man is able to subdue him for a little while and starts running away trying to think of a plan. He flashes back to the incident where he took the money from the bank with the following dialogue. Of course, the one thing I can't tell anyone is that it all started when Peter Parker's Spider-Sense warmed him of danger. So for some reason, Spider-Man thinks to himself in the third person as though he were not Peter Parker. So so in the flashback, his Spider-Sense goes off to the money bag. So he goes into a, a nearby closet and thinks to himself... Payroll bags don't usually contain bombs, as far as I know. I've got to get back there again. Four dollar bags. He 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 webs the guards, you know, not making his case as a superhero at all. Grabs the bag and throws away as it before explodes and destroys everybody. He swings back to the Daily Bugle just as Jameson's yelling at Foswell. And after they have a repartee, which I'll eventually recount, he tells him to call the bank and says that. And tells him that they won't be missing any money because he didn't steal any money and therefore call off the manhunt with his son. Jameson does just that, just as his son walks in there with a grimace. John, are you you're all right? Never mind yeah, about I'm me. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Never mind about John. Never mind about John Wilson. You talking Where to me? He? Where is Spider-Man? He was just here, but he got away. I, I just learned something. There's a chance that the bank wasn't robbed. He may actually be innocent i don't care what he is i owe him something and i'm gonna pay it to him in spades but <laughs> don't you see we better wait if he didn't rob the bank you can't i don't give a rap about who robbed the plastic bank i gotta polish off spider-man no matter what you no. know when i when i read that word balloon i thought he said i don't give a crap about who robbed the bank and i was like whoa whoa, whoa. it was rap my bad <laughs> I, don't give a, <laughs> I, I, I guess Raps are in the 60s as opposed to the 80s. Yeah. I don't give a rap. Wow. He doesn't sound like John. He's changed. He's become cruel. Deadly. <laughs> I love that dialogue. <laughs> now, I honestly don't think that Jonah Jameson would have had this kind of a change of heart about Spider-Man. Like, so he found out he's innocent. It's so what? Sports. It hasn't stopped him before. And the symbiote hidden in the suit. No, he's talking about like, like J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the sun. No, because yeah, the son, but no, J. Jonah Jameson finds out Spider-Man's innocent and decides to call off his crusade to get him. No. That has never stopped him before. I mean, <laughs> he sent scorpions, he sent robots. He's you know what sent- I think it is though is the fact that his son's name's on the line. He can't, he can't in good conscience, even if he knows Spider-Man's, you know, he can't in good conscience endanger his son's reputation. And that makes sense because you know his he, my son John Jameson. With, with his he, final words, leaving the Daily Bugle, he goes. He goes back to the men with the NASA, saying, "I'm a superhero now, and I'm the best there is. I'm stronger than anyone. Nobody's gonna push me around. Nobody." 
And J. Jonah Jameson thinks to himself, What's come over him? He's not my heroic son, John, anymore. His voice is bitter, arrogant, completely merciless. He didn't even bother to answer me. He, he's become like a stranger. So we cut to the middle of the night where Peter Parker is lying in his, in his bed, fast asleep, <laughs> until... It's no use! I can't sleep! No sense even trying! It's as though something's calling me, making me get up! Yeah, it's called a plot. I've got to find him again and, uh, Miraculously by the grace of God At the same time Jameson says Nobody's cre- keeping me cr- hooked up in a crummy hotel room Not while Spider-Man is out there Probably gloating about how easily he got away from me Yeah, yeah, that's it Yeah, Johnny, yeah Well, I'm gonna find him again And this time he won't get away ever so he he knocks the guards out of the way and stops over like he's like bug like Daffy Duck getting the yellow Bugs Bunny. I don't care what anyone says. I don't even care if Spider Man did rob that bank. I've gotta prove it that I can beat him. I gotta prove that I'm the greatest superhero of all. The next caption reads Like some mystic metaphysical magnet, fate seems to draw both men to the same place at the same time. For no reason. <laughs> those last three words those last three words didn't say it, but well, so everyone Spider-Man, knows that New York is a really small city. Everyone knows that. Spider-Man and Jameson meet at the same place at the same exact time. Uh, let that let that swim around your head a little bit. While you're doing that, Jameson takes off his moon boots so he can so, so he can now use low gravity on Earth to its own effect and jumps all the way up to meet Spider-Man. They battle on top of a building for a while and then eventually crash into a, a see-through window. Uh, where while, some... while they're fighting, we get, I think for the second time in the series, someone singing, He'd fly through the air with the greatest of these. Yeah. Which uh, I think is pretty <laughs> nice cool. Nice job, Brad. <laughs> Thank you. That was in it's stereo. It's a musical episode of classics, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they battle to a standstill. You know, they're both pretty powerful, but they fall through this window, and inside the building is some nice, say it with me now, Science! <laughs> S-C-I-E-N-C-E. Science, science, science. So Spider-Man notices the science and then knocks him into the science, which is electrical science. Hey, man, so back he... off. I'm a scientist. Sorry. <laughs> I like that. Spider-Man's a scientist? <laughs> that was from an 80s movie called Ghostbusters for the young listeners. <laughs> Brad, explain to them what a drive-in theater is. No, I'm just kidding. Drive-in theater (laughs) is when I saw 1978 was Christopher Reeve Superman. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, really? I did. And Jungle Book. Ooh, like like the Disney version of Jungle Book? Ooh, be do. I want to be like you. (laughs) (laughs) I want to walk like you. Talk Talk like like you. you. (laughs) You'll see it's true. (laughs) Where I was in Connecticut, there was a drive-in theater. And so I saw Transformers. Yeah. No, no, no. Star Trek. I saw Star Trek at the drive-in theater. Yeah, and Transformers also. I saw Transformers and Star Trek at the drive-in theater. We actually have several where I live. And when Ava gets bigger, I'm going to take her to one. Because I have very fond memories of hiding under some blankets in the trunk. No, I'm just kidding. As we snuck myself in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Snuggled you across the border. Yeah, so I, we didn't only had to pay for one. No, but... Brad's not a U.S. citizen. Fun. Yeah. There you go. Brad Duggarino or something like that. <laughs> he married Wendy for the green card. Yep. So Spider-Man knocks uh, Jameson into the into the electrical current science, and while Jameson's saying because he's getting electrocuted, 
And then John Jameson dies. <laughs> yes. Isn't the effect in the background skank? Yes, uh, it is skank. skank. <laughs> There's no N there. Well, it's hidden behind his head. That's an N. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows that's how you spe- that's how you illustrate the letter N. That's it. Now the electromagnetic field built in your suit should cause a feedback from the generator, which it worked. Well, how does Spider-Man know how's it, how that how that is? We the readers know, but how does he do? Anyway, I'm pretty sure it was just a big old lucky guess. Yeah, and it's instead of you know, let me kill this guy. Oh wait, he survived. Oh, that's nice. So so the electrical current takes away Jameson's powers and shrinks him back to regular size as he's knocked unconscious. Spider-Man leaves the scene before the NASA men and James, uh, J. Jonah Jameson get to the scene. And while Jameson surmises that it must have been Spider-Man's doing, he says uh, it was all his fault in the first place for him being crazy. He tormented my son, made him fight, tried to turn him into a killer like, him, like he himself is. But he couldn't do it. John was too brave, too strong, too smart. So, you know, John Jameson acting like a douchebag back then. It was all because he was too brave. The day is saved. Spider-Man wakes up on a lazy Sunday morning or even afternoon because he just slept in. He's all ready to, you know, like like soak up some sun and fix his bike and, you know, just take the day however he wants to. But then Aunt May walks in and reminds him of his date with Mary Jane. Ah, Mary, my blind date. I completely forgot. Why not just let smice bugs eat me? Okay, now listen. This is what Aunt May says. Peter, dear, shouldn't you be getting ready? Remember, you'll be meeting Mary Jane when we go to Mrs. Watson's for dinner in a few hours. Why does he need to be waking up and getting ready if he's going in a few hours? Early to bed, early to rise. I don't know. Is that how long he takes in the shower? Because that's a really big hot water heater. Uh, Well, it says a few hours later from the fight, and the fight happened at like midnight. So he slept. I mean, the the fight was at, at night. And he okay. slept, and now he's getting up. And she says they need to go in a few hours, which means that you have time to laze around. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. He's, he's, Stan is reaching the end of the book. He's got to wrap this shit up. Okay. That's and what he's doing. <laughs> I've spent months trying to avoid Mrs. Watson's niece. Oh, well, I, get, I might as well get, get over with and meet her. She might not be as bad as I expect. She'll probably be worse. Yeah, that'll happen. So... Peter and Aunt May make it to Anna Watson's house, and while Peter is considering, you know, I can't get Gwen, get Gwen out of my mind lately. Something tells me she kind of likes me. I never really did get to know of her, but once I get this Mary Jane ordeal o- over with, we hear a ring at the door. Peter, it's all wrapped up in thought. He must be so eager to meet Mary Jane. There's the bell now. That must be her. Peter Parker, I'd like you to meet my niece. You mean, that's Mary Jane? Okay. <laughs> we need a girl on this show to read the infamous line. I couldn't agree with you more. Brad Douglas. <laughs> you want me Brad to read Douglas. the line? Yeah, right. baby. Yeah, uh, face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. I think we should all read the line. Like, I'd like we we should all each take a turn because it's like that important. No doubt. Hit it, John. I'm going to do two versions. This is Mary Jane. <laughs> face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. This is Gay John. Face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. Oh, God. Gay John needs to make a return appearance. <laughs> is it sad I like Gay John better? No. <laughs> okay, now, John. Donovan, you do it in, in the style of uh, Billy D. Williams. No! <laughs> <laughs> he does Billy D? Face it, Tiger. <laughs> you just hit the jackpot. With a cold 45. <laughs> <laughs> that was... <laughs> 
It was like Glenn, Glenn Quagmire. <laughs> Face it, Tiger. <laughs> you just hit the jackpot. All uh, right. Face it, Tiger. You just motherfucking hit the motherfucking jackpot. That's Sam Jackson. Yeah, okay. Exactly. And now in the style of Betty Brand. Face it, Tiger. This- you just hit the jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more like Mickey Mouse. Oh, hi, Tiger. Face it. You just hit the jackpot. <laughs> and now in the style of Batman. Face you just hit the jackpot. You just hit the jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone off the rails so bad, but I love it. Now Sean Connery. That is Dora the Explorer. Face it, Tiger. What did you hit? Jackpot! <laughs> did you just hit the monkey bars? <laughs> no, you didn't hit the monkey bars. Did you just hit the... <laughs> you just hit a bad character from Brand New Day. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. he wanted character. to hit that. Yeah, a dead character. You just me. hit Sarah Pirelli. Is that her name? I would have hit it. Sarah Earhart. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Earhart. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's what we're talking about. Yes, this issue ends with Peter meeting for the first time his future long-term domestic partner. Next time, the Rhino on the rampage, plus a swinging surprise or two. Enough said. You know when I when I uh, saw this panel, this is such an iconic Spider-Man image. If this was done today, it would have been a full-page spread. Yeah. Wouldn't it? It's been redone as a full-page spread. Like, in Parallel oh, yeah. Lives, it was a full-page spread. Yeah. Spider-Man Blue was a full-page spread. Full-page spread. Yeah. But it's such a small panel, and it's such a memorable Spider-Man image. And why? And it's, it's memorable because of, like, this is the hottest person that's ever appeared in this, I think, in Marvel Comics since its inception. <laughs> more, or less, more or less than, like, anything. It's really, like... We look at every other woman character, female character in all the other series. She's the she's the most like what sets her apart is you know, she she's she's I mean she's 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 dated it's now, re- but like compared to everyone else, yeah. it's it's so interesting how everybody is so dated compared to her. I would love to know what Ditko's version of Mary Jane would have been. Yeah, I really like Aunt Anna. It would have been Benny Hanna. What Aunt Anna or somebody? Oh. I thought you said Benny Hanna. I'm like, what? She would have had another plant covering her face, like in every other Dakota. <laughs> we we'll never find out what she looked like. Mary, Mary Jane, face a tiger. You just hit the flower pot. Mary Jane, you're you're standing <laughs> behind those vines that are hanging off of Aunt Anna's porch. Oh, sorry. Let me move over here. Oh no, she's behind the Christmas tree. Oh well, I'm too polite to say anything. And now he's going out the window. He must really be Spider-Man. It's now, like, as as William like, Shatner, face oh. it, tiger. You just hit. The jackpots. It's like Stan waited until he got Romita Senior to do the cheesecake. Cheesecake, yeah, but I mean, again, Romita Junior was Romita Junior. Romita Senior was an alumni of romance comics. Where exactly. Like, I mean, that she's straight out of romance comics. And I just like how even in just this one scene, we already get a really, really good idea of what Mary Jane's personality is going to be like. She's meeting this boy for the first time, yet she's fully confident in her own, like, you know, sex yep. appeal. She's footloose. She's fun-loving when it comes to men. She's totally flirty. And it's just, it, I mean, her body this is going to be a fun great. character on the screen. Yeah, I mean. Now, if it, reading it in hindsight, I know when we back in the 60s, this wasn't a factor, but... Uh, in parallel lives, she's known since day one of Spider-Man who Peter is. So, so do you think she's that confident because she's like getting to meet uh, Spider-Man? Actually, the opposite because in parallel lives, like you see that she was just as nervous 
as Peter was about the meeting. And she was like a similar thing. Like she was like, you know, going about the business of her day. And then she sees an mm-hmm. article about Spider-Man like, oh, no, my blind date with Peter Parker. I completely forgot. Or did I want to forget? Oh, well, might as well get this over with. And then yeah. she puts on her brave face. It's been she so- basically she basically pretends like she doesn't like she doesn't pretend. But like she basically if she didn't know, I think she would act like this this way anyway. So she's doing her yeah. Mary Jane mask that she would normally do through life anyway because she's actually full of pain and angst inside. And I think Parallel Lives 89 or 90, it came out, and that was the last time I read it, so it's been a long time. But wasn't there – there was an Untold Tales of Mary Jane. What, yes, what I was going to mention about? that because there was – and she was younger than this. When Peter was still in high school, Mary Jane was like 14 or 15 at that time, mm-hmm. sees him like fighting the ball and stuff. And she has all these thoughts because she knows he's Peter Parker. So she's like, you know, I'm not ready to meet you, Peter Parker, but I will be soon. Just you wait. And issue 42 is your title. Yeah. So then Untold Tales, what happened? She just saw him from afar? She watched him. In fact, like he, she he's followed kinda, him around. He kind of okay. he kind of sees like stay back, miss, but he doesn't really look at her. And, and, and he's Spider Man. I remember that cover. She's got sunglasses on. There's a reflection. Who's that girl? Na, 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 na. Tomasita, Bonita. Who's that girl? Yeah, that's what it says on the cover. <laughs> Well, no, she found out who who he was. Uh, well, okay, chronologically, she saw him raking leaves before he was ever Spider-Man, and she thought that, like, you know, he looked kind of cute in a dorky sort of way. This was during one of her visits to uh, her Aunt Anna when she was with her sister and her mom. The night that uh, that Ben Parker was shot, she, like, you know, didn't want to be around all the crying and all the drama, so she went to look out the window, and she saw Peter changing the Spider-Man. <laughs> to avoid drama, she saw even more drama. Yeah, pretty much. So then she went out to a party to forget about it. And then one of her other visits, um, Aunt Hannah wanted her to like go out on that date with Peter, and she avoided it for a while. She saw she If she saw Spider-Man like, in a battle, she would kind of like follow him around. Um, that's one of those things that's been twisted by certain people on the internet as well. Everyone knows that Mary Jane was a superhero groupie because she was always following Spider-Man around. But that was just like one issue because she happened to be by the battle, and she was curious. Is that the one where she's dancing and like and Captain Stacy's hypnotized? No, and this is this no. is off topic too. But I, in my opinion, the, my second favorite character in Spider-Man is Mary Jane, and to have her. Who's your first of, favorite? Sorry, well, sorry. Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Man. Man. <laughs> I mean, Doctor Octopus. Yeah, yeah I love Aunt Anna a lot. Uh, so no. does Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you next time. I think since nineteen, what, what year was this book published? Nineteen sixty-six. 1966 until 2008. The end of it, the the end of 07 is when a one more day happened. The end of which we don't know anything about. It's been a kind of a constant. I mean, there was a period where he proposed and she left, but she came back during JRJR's uh, 240ish, and from 240ish to 2007. She's been a constant in the book, and and I think that hundred issue run recently where you've taken her out to have a whole bunch of shenanigans. <laughs> it's just a every time she shows up, I I am so glad to see her because I've been following her since the beginning, and I think she's an integral part of Spider-Man's story. And I think she's one of the more fascinating like written yeah. fiction characters just because of the way she comes on, like mm-hmm. how how she, she, you know. I don't want to get too deep about this, but she does say a lot. She she does actually say a lot about femininity and all about how women carry themselves and how they present themselves and what they what they choose to present themselves as and what they really are and how they choose to live their lives. Just in terms of before and after she hooked up with Spider Man, I think I, I and I, I didn't start thinking about this till after she was gone and uh, in Brand New Day. And it's, she's real. 
and I, and I kind of like her a lot more than I used to a few years ago. She really is an interesting character just in terms of when you, when you think of her, what her mindset was like during all of this. Yeah. Don't you guys miss her in the modern books? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, she's, a, she's around in the modern books. Here's – and I hope that this doesn't derail things too much because this is a debate. Like on the one hand, I don't like what they've done with their relationship now. And on the other hand too, you know, I don't like her being gone. But if they're not married and they're broken up now, it faces the problem of how do you have her be like the supporting character and be in the books regularly like after they've been married? It's like you know, it's like if you're doing a sitcom. Like if it's like if everyone yeah. loves – yeah, it's like if you're doing a sitcom and then like the guy divorces his wife or something, but somehow his ex-wife is like, you know, still hanging out with him at, you know, the coffee shop or whatever and hanging out with his group of friends, you know. At one point it just it's kind of weird to have her around when they're trying to move on from that period cuz this isn't like a girl I, that he dated a few times and now they broke up and she's with his friends group. And I think that's what they're totally setting up Carly to be the fall. To get back with Mary Jane, I think that's what they're taking a couple years to do. I think the, yeah. the long-term plan is to get Mary Jane back in the. In the I'm, book. I'm not and saying George, that I... George disagrees with me all the time on this, but I think it's true. I actually, actually asked that question uh, in the past crawl space. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I don't want Mary Jane in the current books because I want you know, but no, but you're right. If you're in a long-term, deep relationship with somebody, it and makes that sense. Ends. The only thing you can do is part ways. You can't just start being friends and keep hanging out together because that's going to be painful for both parties. The person who wanted to break up and didn't want to break up are both going to be hurting there. So you know, started. <laughs> and, and, and for the comic fans, it's hard too because you know they they want. I mean, and that's one of the things that I will say. Brand New Day did the right way was that they they waited you know a while before they had Peter start dating, and they waited a while before. Uh, they waited a while before they had Mary Jane come back. That way they could give it, you know, some time. That's one of the things that I think that they did, you know, okay by. Right now we have a dynamic that is similar to what it was before they got married, where Mary Jane is coming and going in the story. And, you know, for the 20 years before they got married, this is this is the way it was. Well, this is the way that a lot of the recurrent writers, I think, prefer. I don't know if they actually see this, see this way or not, but they prefer to view her as like, Basic tiger, dad, son, hep cat, groovy man. You just hit the jackpot, ha! And it's like <laughs> She's, it's it's been it's been written for at least thirty straight years consecutively that that was like her choice. She's not that way in her you know when she goes to bed at night. But the writers just want to see it that way because the writers the writers like cliches. Well, she wasn't that way twenty four seven either though. Like people had that misconception that oh until Tom DeFalco came along. Amazing Spider Man number one twenty two for Christ's yeah. sake. Or, or like, yeah, ba- w- w- during the Len Wine run, you know, like she had moments, you know, with Peter, yeah, she, where like, where she was like, you know, mad at him, or she was like, you know, being serious about stuff, or like she's like, where are you, Aunt May's in the hospital? She wasn't always like, check out that mailbox over there, it's so far out, whoa. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's like you know, you have J. Jonah Jameson, you have Aunt May, you have Doctor Octopus, you have uh, uh, for you know Flash Thompson. Um, when, whenever you want to, but you weren't. And you have, you know, you know, you have, you have you? supporting characters that that make that color Spider-Man's world. And I think Mary Jane has always, even you know, even now, like, like, because this is this is still the beginning of Spider-Man's real career. So even you can't like separate it too much without just you know just destroying the status quo into something that is irrecon- irrecognizable, in my opinion. 
I did like how the Rhino story was continued through the background of this book. Because usually when a villain is defeated, he just goes away until he's ready to come back. And here he continues in the background. And John Romita is actually going to do this at least a couple more times. He'll have a trilogy where the first two parts are separate stories, but then they come together for the third issue. And like the, the, the elements of the first part continue in the background through the second. that all comes together in the third. We're very gonna soap opera-ish. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Mm-hmm. But in this issue in the Marvel Bullpen Bulletins, we have sensational secrets and incredible inside information guilelessly guaranteed to avail you not. Uh, there's a bit about all the king-size specials on stands right now. We talked about the Spidey book last episode. In the Fantastic Four book, you have the uh, Golden Age Human Torch returning, which is pretty cool. <gasps> I've been reading a lot of uh, his old books from 1939 and 1940. I'm on a mission right now to read everything Marvel, and I've uh, I've just finished 19. 19- a mission you will fail. A mission I will fail. Yeah. I want to give him my all. Um, there's actually a lot of really bad stuff in the first year and a half of Golden Age Marvel, but um, Torch and Namor and the Angel are usually pretty good. There's also another reminder of the Marvel Superheroes cartoon, which starts up next month. And there, there's even a, a full-page ad to that effect on the next page after the bullpen bulletins. The letters page goes without a title this month, instead having only an MMMS membership coupon. I didn't really see a whole lot to pull out of the letters column this month. There was no end of love for issue 39 with Romita's debut and the unmasking of the Green Goblin, which is as it should be, I think. Yep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But I did see three little things of interest. Mike Glickstone of Willowdale, Ontario, agrees with us that the book was deteriorating rapidly toward the end of Ditko's run. But he saw Johnny Romita as a brightly shining ray of hope in the distance. So um, I hope he enjoyed what came after that. John Taylor from Milford, Connecticut, wants them to reveal what Mary Jane looks like, which of course never happens. And Robert Cox of Houston, Texas, referred to Spider-Man as a soap opera like Brad did. And Stan acted like he'd never heard the word before, and he makes a joke about a box of cheer singing Carmen, a soap <laughs> opera. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys know if the new Marvel Masterworks, the paperback versions and the new reprints, do they have the letters column in them? Oh. I, don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's just a reprint of what's gone before. I really wish they would include those. I love those. Yeah. That's I one of the reasons believe, I really like the scans. So, I don't yeah. believe for a second that Stan hasn't heard the word soap opera because hasn't he like put references to soap opera within the panels? <laughs> That's why Stan's a liar. <laughs> Stan! <laughs> yes, Flo? <laughs> Well, before we go to a break, I just want to make a little mention that also this week, Marvel Tales 5 hit the stands, which reprinted issue 8, the special tribute to teenagers issue of Amazing Spider-Man with the living brain and the human torch. Uh You also got a torch solo story from Strange Tales, Thor from Journey into Mystery, a wasp narrated monster story, and then an Ant-Man story, each from a different issue of Tales to Astonish. And with that, let's go to a break and come back for more Spidey. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Batgirl to Oracle is a podcast and site dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the Batgirl mantle for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1985. 
The goal of BTO is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Batgirl and continue on through her current tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at vintage issues of Detective Comics and Batman and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I examine Barbara Gordon's appearances in the media, such as TV, film, etc. I've been blessed to be able to interview writer Brian Q. Miller, and I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Please visit us online at batgirltooracle.net and look for us on iTunes. Thank you. September 8th, 1966. A date that will be recognized by many of you out there in listener land, for it is the first day the viewing audience got to participate in the voyages of the Starship Enterprise on her five-year mission on Star Trek. It is also the first day that comics readers got to read a Spider-Man tale featuring the long-anticipated Mary Jane Watson. Amazing Spider-Man 43 was released on September 8, 1966, with a cover date of December, finishing out the 1966 cover date books. And Josh Bertoni, tell us about this story. Well, we start with the cover, which has Rhino on the rampage. The Rhino's standing in the middle of a street and, you know, cracks all around because he's that heavy. Spider-Man's holding onto his horn, being swung into the air. And a crowd of people, including, you could spot a Frederick Foswell, uh, who's borrowing an outfit from Harry Osborn and Jimmy Olsen. He's in the left-hand <laughs> corner. So, let's open up the page. Away we go. First, we got a guy, you know, because it... Everyone last issue, you know, was like – all those readers was like, wow, John Jameson, he's an astronaut. He's strong. I want to be just like him. So the ad people took advantage of that and said, let me show you how to make yourself astronaut tough. Friend, dare you risk a dime? That's right. It only costs 10 cents to be like a big, strong astronaut. It looks but like the same kind of like Charles Atlas type of ads, but it's with an astronaut at the top. Yeah. Go figure. So uh, – <laughs> Readers, yeah, that's all it costs, 10 cents. That's even cheaper than the comic. I mean, I'd, I'd paid for that. <laughs> okay. We cut to the splash phase where the rhino, he's doing one of those visual things where it's like eye on the prize. You know, visualize what you want and go after it. So he's visualizing Spider-Man in the form of a thought balloon. And then he's punching said thought balloon. Uh, you know, just like the self-help people want you to do. And it goes, Sprock. I did not and even notice that that was thought balloon. I thought it was Spider-Man. That was the honor Spock from Star Trek. Just stir it up. Sprock. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Why is there a Squirrel Girl thing in... <laughs> yeah, Rhino's actually breaking out of his cell, you know, complete with imagining Spider-Man. And we get the big title, Rhino on the Rampage. We'll skip the explanations this is. No words of ours could possibly do justice to this action-packed thought produced by Stan, the man Lee, writer, John, ring-a-ding, Ramita, artist, Artie, stout-hearted, Semek, letter, now fasten your seatbelts, we're off. The crazy scientist is calling on the phone. Oh my gosh, Rhino's out. We need tranquil. We need more tranquilizers. And then one cop shooting him with bullets, which doesn't seem to work. So they're like, you know what? We're just gonna stay out of his way so we don't die. <laughs> so, so the Rhino breaks through the wall, decides, you know, you know what? I'm going after Spider-Man because last time we met, that worked out so well for me. So hey, you know, I'll do it again now. Meanwhile, we cut to the Daily Bugle where Ned Leeds has just made the biggest mistake of his life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> he, 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 
he has you know his new fiance Betty Branch you know uh, you know wrapped around his arm as he sh- as she's showing off her engagement ring the Frederick Foswell when all of a sudden a DeLorean like goes through and like you know Ned from 1986 like <laughs> comes and said Ned come with me if you want to live There's this marriage will utterly kids, destroy Ned yeah. <laughs> it's your kids Ned something's got to be done about your kids <laughs> you threw some Terminator in there too it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah Terminator like every single goblin gliders <laughs> every single time traveler shows up to try and save Ned <laughs> but, to no avail. but to no avail well the best thing about this engagement is they're going to be married in only 113 issues from now I know it's, it's the longest freaking engagement in the world. <laughs> Betty it's just a- wanted to make sure that things were really over with Peter. Funny. <laughs> and there were. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, there's lots of nice And then in less time than that, in less than 113 <laughs> issues after she gets married, she's boinking Peter again. Oh my she God. left her honeymoon. Her honeymoon <laughs> in Paris, the most romantic city on the planet. Her honeymoon. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Ned's a first-class chump anyway, because, like, when he proposed... <laughs> She proposed in issue 30. She's like, let me talk to Peter first. And then, like, you know, Ned waits around for, like, half a dozen issues, you know, for her to, like, check with Peter to, you know, get permission to get married. (laughs) Then she leaves town without answering his proposal. Then she comes back, you know, and has coffee with Peter before she sees Ned, although supposedly she may have been staying at Ned's place. So, And then finally says yes, you know, when there's no other options. You know, Ned leads, the last resort guy. Well done, Ned. You know, you're for waiting for. Yeah, you're in for yeah, – that's what he says. Betty was worth waiting for. Yeah. You know, 13 issues since she proposed, you know, as she leaves town and you have to deal with her other boyfriend. Yeah, well, that was I, I really hope for his – for little Ned's sake that she's not one of those wait until you're married kind of people. I, 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 I hope. But yeah, Foswell thinks to himself, wow, I always thought that it would be her and Peter. Well, let's say thank God that it wasn't. Jameson is a Peter and Betty shipper though, so he like goes in and starts yelling at, you know, the two lovers to break it up. <laughs> and he wants Foswell to check on this whole Reiner story. This is a newspaper, not Lover's Lane. But speaking of Lover's Lane, oh, well, that that was my own transition that I was going to say, but they actually say that in the di- in the dialogue clocks. But speaking of Lover's Lane, let's look in on Peter Parker as he dreamingly toys with his food over the dinner table. And we get a really, really small table with um, Anna and Mary Jane on uh, facing each other on one side and Peter and Aunt May facing each other on the other. But Peter's not looking on Aunt May. He's looking at the girl who he's, well, basically going to choose Aunt May over anyway. (laughs) 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 Would you mind passing the butter, Peter? No, not at all. (laughs) Then why don't you pass it, dear? Pass what? Pedio, you're right from Grooseville. I never thought a tiger who wore his hair so short would be so dreamy. And you've got a bouncing bike, too. Dad, you're the end. <laughs> well, we all, know Mary Jane, we all know Mary Jane has father issues. So, you know, the fact that she's calling him dad. Yeah. Hey, daddy. Everyone's a, everyone gets a little uncomfortable. Big daddy. And Peter's all mellow because the, the 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 cloud around Mary Jane of weed smoke has already put him. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mary Mary Jane brought the dessert and it was brownies. This is oh. the cow. I didn't want to meet all those months. Whoosh. It's like that '70s show where, where they the table. <laughs> on on is like you know what's a weird word? Hip. Say it a lot of times. Hip. <laughs> you know what that's in reference to, right? Yeah. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> what say we give the boob tube a whirl? You can fill me in on your life story during the station breaks. 
It's a deal, Mary Jane. <laughs> you seem to be hitting it off so beautifully, May. She's just what Peter needed. She's so full of fun, so alive. The boy leads such a quiet life. Oh, what irony. Irony alert. Ling, 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 you know? <laughs> That's an irony alert. That's the yeah. bell going off. Oh, Tell I got about yourself, Mary Jane. How come I've never run into you before? What do you do with yourself when you're not driving hapless males out of their minds? Mm, you come on strong, son. Wait, now he's son? <laughs> Wasn't he dad before? Oh, whatever. And all this time, I was afraid you'd be the shy type. Anyway, I spend most of my time taking drama lessons. Ooh, you plan to be an actress? Correction, Clyde, I am an actress. It's just a matter of time. I'll be the big, blind, bouncy world discovers that fabulous fact. Come on, Petey, let your hair down. They're playing our song. As she turns on the TV to some generic music show, depending on what decade it is, like if it was like Marvel Tales, it would be like TRL or something or American Bandstand. <laughs> or, or like Tosh.0. We're going to take this like, like the ba- shows they watch in Hairspray. Ba- Bandstand was on the air at that point, wasn't it? Dick Clark? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, okay. I thought so. What a living doll. She makes everything seem like a party. Which is really attractive now, but not so much later. Yeah. No, he sounded yeah. perfectly. <laughs> But it wouldn't be Peter Parker if something would happen that didn't happen to spoil the fun. We interrupt Boss Beat Bandstand, or generic music show, to bring you a special bulletin. The rhino has broken out of prison and is at large within the city. All citizens are warned. <gasps> you think they'd wait till the end of the song? The rhino? He's free again? And just to prove that Mary Jane is insane... Those crazy threads break me up! Man. Like rhino's, Like rhino's rhino skin is actually like normal clothing. Yeah, like, whoa. When I read that line, these threads break me up, I, I instantly thought of our message board. I thought you said, I thought you were <laughs> Maybe it's just I, me. I thought you said you, you spat out your coffee when you read that. <laughs> these threads, man. Well, it's like Mary Jane could be, like, watching, like, a video of, like, you know, some, you know, uh, third world dictator, like, threatening the U.S. And, like, you know, I will bomb a city every hour <laughs> on the hour. And she'd be like, wow, like, dig that crazy necklace of his. This is really serious, Mary Jane. We're all going to die. Oh, man. I'm going to miss the next boss beat bandstand. Which is not a real show, by the way. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, John Chad. It's, 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 it's producing uh, ESU, you know, studios. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those times. I, I don't know. Starring Sally Avril. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Before you say, man, go ahead. Go ahead. I feel like Jeffrey in a space whale. Um. What? So oh, never mind. It. It. No, I actually, I actually got what that was in reference to. It's a from crisis to crisis thing. Jeffrey gets it. Hi, Jeffrey. <laughs> I, this is one of those times where I don't know if what she's saying is a good thing or a bad thing. Those crazy threads break me up. Like she is she saying she doesn't get what he's wearing, or it makes her laugh, or I just don't understand what that means. And because she's all like pissed on her face. It's, it's because you're not a hip pussy willow, man. That's that's, that's what it is. You got to go for the flow. You got to vibe. Hey, come on now, son. Get with it. Come on. Man. Come over yeah. Put him up. Here's a pussy willow. Y'all need uh, a little Mary Jane in you. I don't oh. know what pussy willow is, to be honest. Like, what? All I know is you don't mix it with the kumquats. Otherwise, you eat a lot of dickweed. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. <laughs> that's an old joke. Wow. <laughs> Okay, so we've established the fact that Mary Jane is absolutely crazy, insane, and out of her gosh darn mind. Hot too. So, 
so Peter's thinking, you know, how is he going to go after him as Spider-Man, get away from Mary Jane? And Mary Jane, after just listening to the report that, hey, this guy in a rhino costume who's really dangerous and will kill you all is rampaging in the city, Mary Jane's suggestion, say, Petey, wouldn't it be a kick to really see the rhino in person? <laughs> that's, that's the equivalent of the Marvel Universe when you slow down and look at an accident. No, opinion. that's the equivalent of Godzilla's attacking the city. Hey, let's go, let's go get a close-up look well, at Godzilla. Dude, this <laughs> happens every day in the Marvel universe. Well, let's go look at the what, crazy is it, destruction. Isn't it also akin like like Lois Lane looking for? Day? I know she's a reporter; that's her job. But like yeah. people do this in movies too. I mean, this this is something that's not just Mary Jane. This is a storytelling device where people like you know want to go see the crazy danger because they don't think they're going to get hurt. I mean, the next panel she says, "Let's just go follow the sirens." Yep. Yeah, no, no, don't get don't get me wrong. This this is rather brainless. But <laughs> I mean, we know why now, you know, you know, uh, years later, you know, with the benefit of the retcon, you know, spoilers. She's, yeah. With the benefit of the retcon, you know, there's an added explanation for why she's doing this. But still, it's well, go ahead and fill us in on the on the context. What's the what's the um, explanation for why she's doing this? Oh, well, like, it's never officially been, like, stated, like, what the reason for this issue was, but you would infer that because she knows that he's Spider-Man, she's basically giving him a guilt-free way to, you know, change him to Spider-Man. I should have guessed that. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, like, every single appearance of Mary Jane, literally, every she knows he's Spider-Man. So she's like, okay, this Rhino guy is coming. I can see Peter has a constipated look on his face, so he must want to go fight him. Say, man, shoot those crazy threads. Let's go. He'll be a real swinger. And Peter Which does not mean that she wants a threesome. Well... Oh, I totally read that. I didn't one. tell you about. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that one issue of Marvel Team Up. <laughs> the wow. Rhino's awful horny, after Actually, all. Oh no, no, no! That'd be a Marvel. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, Marvel Two in One. I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> Swinging? No, 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 no. You'd get Nancy, and I'd get Dale. And who's the clear winner in that scenario? <laughs> Dale. <laughs> wow. King of the Hill reference. <laughs> Did I break Don? Don, what are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, you know, so, so so Peter's like, what do you mean? It's a real happening, man. We could hop on your cycle and follow the sound of the sirens. Now that's the kind of gal friend a busy Spider-Man needs. I read you. Uh, he he didn't say that out loud, you know. <laughs> but if he did, then, <laughs> <laughs> then it would have just gone smoothly because we already know that she knows. She's like, oh, wow, you're telling me on the first day. I read you loud and clearly. Let's go. Great. Oh, but the rhino's a real swinger. No, he's a dangerous human being. Mary Jane. God. And of course, <laughs> in fairness, in fairness, he doesn't—he doesn't really like unless he's like moving around. He looks rather dumb. He doesn't really look dangerous unless he's like killing people. This is like the beginning of a PSA. Like, like, like these two kids are gonna get like killed. <laughs> good, good night, folks. I'm gonna take Mary Jane for a spin. The dinner was delish. So, and, and the ants have no problem with like you know them going out to find the rhino. Not that they know that that's what the yeah, point they know. kids have fun with that rhino. And it's really like, bad, Dad. Yeah, yeah and, that. <laughs> And in the only normal sentence that Mary Jane says this issue, the radio said he was on the east side, PDO, as they're riding away on his motorcycle. (laughs) Meanwhile, we get a scene in the offices of Nelson and Murdoch where we visit our friends from Daredevil, you know, Karen Page, Foggy Nelson, and Matt Murdoch. Who's back from the Owl Island, by the way. Yeah, they're bemoaning the Rhino's escape, and Foggy's like, oh, it sucks that, you know, that that I represented Rhino instead of you. And then Matt, you know, jerk that he is, thinks in his head, huh, yeah, I wish, I, I wish it was me too and not you, Foggy. Basically, like, confirming, yeah, you're an idiot. And then Matt's like, well, it's up to you, Foggy, to make sure that the Rhino doesn't injure anybody. 
<laughs> as if like, that's like a pretty big responsibility for a lawyer. And even Foggy's like, uh, no, let, let's let Spider-Man handle it. And then more stupidity because this like two panel scene of the Nelson and Murdoch offices doesn't have enough stupidity in it. Matt Murdoch thinks I wish Daredevil could go after him, but the web singer deserves first crack yeah. at him. So I read what this today I... and I was like, that's so dumb. Yeah, this that, is the same man who watched him, who like just just to be a dick, watched him take on the the ringmaster and all those guys. You know, like like go back to issue sixteen. He went out of his costume, went back into the audience, and ate popcorn and watched Spider Man take on like five guys at a time, just because he felt like it. What what if like you know like it shows up on the radio? The Rhino has killed six people, and then Matt's thinking, no, not yet, Matt. You must let Spider Man fight him first. Wait for Spider-Man. Rhino pours Spider-Man through the abdomen and throws him to the side. It's just an ad for people to pick up Daredevil. Yeah. (laughs) So Rhino decides to smash some stuff until Spidey shows up. That way he can exact his revenge. And smashing stuff winds up inducing a flashback, as smashing stuff is often to do, of his origin. Where we see that the Rhino is working for scientists who basically call him an idiot. Like, this dialogue, they're like, let's see. Where is it? Oh, yeah, remember. Too stupid to be trusted, but I disagree. (laughs) I feel that your very lack of intelligence will prevent you from ever betraying us. Basically, (laughs) like, oh, you're too stupid to to betray us. And we're going to say this in front of you. Are the scientists from Russia? Maybe I I read into it or something. Well, his his name is Aleski Setsevich. That's not revealed in this issue. Yeah, we don't know that yet. Okay. Yeah, so Rhino. when, when When the story starts, he's south of the American border. So it, it could possibly be something in, in uh, Mexico or uh, some other Central or South American country, although that makes less sense than Russia for me. I don't know. Yeah, they they, they say that he's not working for any particular country. He's working for scientists who uh, – they work for whatever country pays them the most. And he's he working faces, for science. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> science. He faces months of injections of science and zaps of science rays, and they put molecular science coating on his skin to help give his skin, sci- his skin scientific strength and the appearance of a rhino. We're told that it made him smarter too, but we'll see. He decides that since he has the power now, he's not going to take orders from anyone, and he busts up the lab, and the people like decide to play – they literally decide to play dead. Like, where's that dialogue? Wait, 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 what about his money? Exactly. That's the only reason he's doing this. It, no, exactly. Yeah, that, that's the gag that, that I put in the recap. He decides that since he has the power, he'll take orders from nobody until he works for the people who send him after John Jameson two issues ago, apparently. So, <laughs> in the line where it says it makes him smarter, I was just like, really? It makes him smarter? How dumb was this bastard to begin with? <laughs> let himself be coated in a rhino skin? I mean, damn. What, what shuttle? <laughs> yeah. Where are you from? Joyzy. Which isn't really true, but... So, Peter gets to the crowd where everyone's, like... Apparently, like, everyone had the same idea as MJ that day. So, I guess MJ isn't as stupid as, you know, it seems, because the rest of the city's doing the same. Or everyone was high. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone got what MJ was having. And he decides... I don't know why Peter doesn't just do this more often. He decides to just tell her, I'm going to go off somewhere and take pictures for the Daily Bugle. And she totally buys it. And he's like, can't stay away too longer. Mary Jane will become suspicious. So Spider-Man sets off his camera, and he starts fighting the rhino. Here's a question. Was the word Mary Jane associated with marijuana back in 1960? Well, allegedly, Stan Lee had no idea that it it was, but Stan Lee, you know, the hip cat that he was, had no idea that that was a euphemism. So that's what he claims, that he didn't know. Okay. 
Are we going along with the idea that she's really stoned half the time in, this, in these issues? I, I never I never read it then or now and, and thought she was stoned, but... Um. We'll get into it. <laughs> so Spider-Man sends, spends all of his time dodging the rhino, so the rhino's like, forget this, I'm just going to make you come after me. So rhino starts to go after the crowd, uh, which obviously Spider-Man doesn't like, because as Silvermane says, Spider-Man's weakness is that he cares too much. <laughs> Baby Silvermane. <laughs> Baby Silvermane from the animated series. And Mary Jane in the crowd, it's Spidey! Oh, isn't he the dreamiest? Petey better get back before he misses all the fun! So yeah, way to wait, wait, wait to let everyone in the crowd know that you know Spider-Man's here, but Peter Parker's not. Just saying, it's like she's like trying to like play act out loud, you know, or something. To I don't know. So the Rhino gets ready to you know do the final charge on Spider-Man, and one hit's gonna kill him. But Rhino misses and busts up a truck instead. So he goes after Spider-Man again, and a cop pushes Spider-Man out of the way, and the Rhino destroys what I guess it's a building or something. Oh, it's steel beams. And the rhino, mm-hmm. like, doesn't even see the cop that, like, helped, you know, move Spider-Man out of the way. He's like, oh, well, I guess Spider-Man's dead. I'm just going to walk away and not turn around, you know, a few degrees and see that Spider-Man's alive. What was I doing before? Mm, Colonel Jameson, that's right. That was my mission before. Okay, I- I'm, I'm going to go after him now. <laughs> Short tension span much? Yeah. And then we have a scene that never would have happened during the Dicko days where the cops like helping Spider-Man up. That was quite a wallop you took, fellow. You okay now? Well, I think so. Though I wouldn't be if not for you. I'm not too good for the thanks for saving my life bit, but forget Why it, Why would mister. we not see it during the Ditko run? Because, like, this cop and Spider-Man are thanking each other, being nice, and behind him there's, like, a crowd of smiling and laughing people. And the, the most Dick would have ever given us was cops, like, in the background, you know, saying they're not going to go after Spider because they don't have any cause, that he always seems to be okay, but they wouldn't actually be helpful. I really, really like that the cop saves Spider-Man here. I, I think that's really, really cool. You notice that the cop's face isn't shown? Are you saying that, like, Ditko and doesn't like police or something, or is this Ditko, a change? No, not necessarily, but, like, Everyone Spider-Man was, was always on the outs with everybody. No one would help him. He saved hmm. a guy's life once, and when the guy tried to thank him, Spider-Man basically told him to F off. That was in issue 30. <laughs> Okay. And like and like here, you know, like Spider Man is saying thank you and you're welcome like a normal person. And like look at that look at the top of look at that middle panel. Like everyone behind him, they're all like smiling and laughing. If yeah. this was issue Come on, get happy. They'd be like throwing <laughs> apples and like, you know, tomatoes at him, like, Oh, get out of here, Spider Man. You're probably teaming up with the rhino in the first place. Human torch should have saved that guy. Yeah. Uh, right. I like, I like <laughs> his uh camera that looks like a wireless modem. <laughs> oh, oh my god, it does. Doesn't it, though? I have routers that look like that. No, well, yes. My router right now looks just like his camera. Yeah, speaking of the camera, Spider-Man goes back to get it, but then it starts to fall from the webbing, and Spider-Man says, No! No! Not like when! And he catches the camera with its webbing, but not before its neck snaps. <laughs> I had a similar vibe from it, but I couldn't figure out what the joke to make. That was awesome. <laughs> Spider yeah. Spider Strength, I love you. Not only am I the most dashing superhero on two people, <laughs> but who else can save a camera from falling to its camera? I should even like, laugh at that. <laughs> no camera, no. I saved you. Don't you see? I saved you. Jesus. Photographic <laughs> idiots. That camera was filmed was exposed before it hit the ground. <laughs> that snap was the picture being taken. Snap. <laughs> snap. somehow the camera falling gave him an idea of how to beat the rhino and he goes to look for pieces of the rhino's skin which was falling off for some reason science is stingling he's shedding yeah so he he goes to get that for science and he goes to meet back up with mary jane hi 
Petey, I guess you didn't get those photos. I didn't see you during all the excitements. Except that I did, but he'll never know that until Parallel Lives. She says oh, to I, us. Yeah, she says to us, as I made up. <laughs> oh, I got them all right, Mary Jane. I ran into a building and snapped them from a from a second floor hall window. Pretty clever, Dad. But speaking <laughs> of buildings, I better get back to mine now. Shall we ride, Clyde? Uh, uh oh i'll leave you you stranded here forever unless you tell me you're free tomorrow night i promise rock hudson well he's gay jane but we don't know that yet (laughs) but i don't want him to take me for granted or he might turn the man or something well i I, I had to say peter it is a pretty smooth line there you know i'm gonna leave you here forever unless you you know tell me you're free tomorrow but we're making fun of her whole little rhyming thing with Ride Clyde and, you know, Mad Dad yeah. and everything. What's she going to say to Peter? I mean, there just aren't that many opportunities. Did you feed the parking meter, Peter? <laughs> were you studying Demeter, Peter? Um, I'll buy a two-liter, Wait. Peter. The other thing I noticed... I, I see lipstick on your collar. Are you a <laughs> cheater, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> Betty, Betty, where'd you come from? <laughs> I think this is a pivotal turning point for Peter because doesn't he always – he's always, I can't ask the girl out. I can't, I, I can't do this. He instantly – he met her within a few hours ago. He's asking her out. Love I mean he's getting more confident. Well, quite frankly because you know now he's dating someone who isn't a complete psych – well – this is this is a different kind of psychopath. He's dating well, he's someone who wanted to ask out Liz, he wanted to ask out Betty, and he always pined over both of those. But this chick he just met, and he's like, I gotta go for this. Well, I think it's also because uh, Mary Jane is not Ma- Betty or Liz. She's not like she she has fun with everybody, not just you know people in her in her clique. She's like a fun loving girl who's about the the you know herself in the world. So there's a different vibe he gets where he feels he can approach her. And, you, kind of and this, and, if you're in the pro Mary Jane column, because there's always the Gwen versus Mary Jane debate, uh, this is an instant win for Mary Jane because he asked her out before Gwen. And this is in that second panel, you can't see yeah. it, but you know, as she's tickling his chin, she's also like, you know, leaning her hips back and doing a hip grind with him. So that's definitely <laughs> giving him confidence. Oh, dude. dude. Wow. wow. I will say last night, but never mind. And the sound effect next panel is Vroom. Vroom. Wow. Anyway, I mean, this this uh, just proves that it's the perfect match, in my opinion. I don't know. Well, yeah, he's with someone who is an sociopath and, you know, uh, you know, actually, like, lets him, you know, go off and take pictures as opposed to, oh, you're Josh. not taking, yeah, I know you're going to take pictures of Liz Allen. <laughs> Josh, John, John, Josh, John, remember that, uh, that issue where, you know, we, we, we did it last week with, uh, from Rest of the Crisis where she got mad at him for that, um, that new <laughs> movie thing. Yeah, <laughs> she called that. Square. The what? We're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 we're. She uh, she wants to get a part in a movie, but it's going to involve some nudity, and Peter gets all mad about it. Well, Peter's Peter's like, I don't know, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> and then Rachel Bailey that? says, Oh, so she wants to, oh, so you know, she wants to be a whore, and he's mad. That's uh, Spider-Man number eighteen by Eric, Lar- written and drawn by Eric Larson. Oh, okay, got it. So he drops her off at his apartment, muses about having an apartment of his own one day, but Aunt May, he must always think about Aunt May first. Foswell is writing up the story uh, about the Rhino and Spider-Man's fight with Jameson right behind him. And here's a little trivia question, folks. In issue 43 of Amazing Spider-Man, who tells Peter Parker that he hit the jackpot? 
if you answer Mary Jane Watson, you're wrong because that was an issue 42. Because Jameson hmm. says when Peter gets in the photos, Parker, you finally hit the jackpots. Oh, God. That's going to be a Spider Jeopardy question. I know it. I better mentally record that. Yes, mentally record. I mean, be like, you're J. Jonah Jameson? That is so a, a great trivia question. I'd like you to meet my niece, J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew this blind date was a bad idea, but I never dreamed of this. Man. And she's got a mustache. <laughs> oh well I better get this blind date over with <laughs> so Peter thinks that he's gonna get paid in money but no Jameson's gonna pay him in bathroom privileges okay and explain uh, that what the f- we can't I don't get it do you is there a club what are they doing in there sites taking a leak <laughs> I'm not making this up uh, making Spider-Man classic listeners Foswell give him his own key to the washroom you know Put his initials on it because well, one time it was. What would do if they didn't have the key? Uh-huh. Remember that time that he paid him in bars of chocolate? I mean, this guy does not understand what appropriate salary is. I don't get it. What kind of washroom is in the bugle? I don't really. Understand. It has pink water. A what? <laughs> he's all he's all he's all candy and so colors. Can the hired help not take a leak? I mean, what what's the deal? I really, really, that one just boggled my mind. He's a, he's a cheapskate bastard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what it is. The mind wobbles. I mean, do you guys get it? No, it, it, I, I, I just think he's just being a douche. Yeah, Supposedly, I think, like in big buildings, like the executive, mm-hmm. like getting keys to the executive bathroom is like a really big deal, I guess. But I've never worked in a place where, like, you know, there's been like different, you know, levels of bathroom, like you know. Me neither. I just didn't get that. But. Peter goes to Dr. Kirk Connors to examine the rhino skin, and they do some science together. Uh, but Peter takes a break <laughs> from some science to call his Aunt May to say that he's studying at a friend's house, to which – doesn't Aunt May still think that you're out with Mary Jane? So, well, yeah, she that, probably – and yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't want Aunt May waiting up for him. She's probably like, no, good. Peter's like, what? D- no, no, Peter, stay out later. you got to seal the deal, man. <laughs> I put too <laughs> yeah, much time Dad. and effort into us. <laughs> Studying with a friend? Who is this friend? Is this a female friend? No female friends. <laughs> so Connors keeps on saying, you know what? I should turn back into the lizard. Uh, that'll stop the rhino. And Spider-Man's like, yeah, 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 you turn back into the lizard because I didn't spend enough time trying to cure you from that before. No thanks. So they come up with some sort of scientific thing, this, you know, out science the rhino, and Spider-Man sings away, swings away as Kirk Connors is like, are you sure the lizard can't help you? And Spider-Man's like, yes! <laughs> and this was all basically reminding you who Dr. Connors was and everything for next issue. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this in this era. And really, Marvel Tales had just reprinted the lizard a handful of months before. So I'm thinking, again, that Ramita is just taking his cues from things that happened earlier in the series. He's just seeing, you know, the earlier books saying, Oh, I can follow up on that story. Oh, I can follow up on that story with John Jameson and now at the lizard and stuff. So the rhino goes ahead and attacks John Jameson's hospital room as the people surprisingly realize once again, Oh my gosh, bullets don't affect the rhino. I totally yeah. forgot. So Spider-Man goes after him and webs him, and the rhino's like, ha-ha, stupid web, that's not going to do anything for me. But then all of a sudden, the rhino starts getting more and more naked, because this web does <laughs> Yeah. So this, web, this web basically melts the protective coating of his suit. I had a hunch you were wearing an artificial covering. The only problem was finding a way to melt it off, and it looks like we found it. My horns, my head coverings, they're gone. Everything's melting off of me. That's a Luckily, good rhino. <laughs> what shuttle? 
this is just like the 90s show where like it's it's spider-man and versus the rhino while john jameson's life hangs in the balance <laughs> the ooze the got rhino suit Ugh. so there was a guy in a rhino costume yeah <laughs> There's a tangent. So with the suit off of Rhino, Spider-Man clocks him in the face, knocks him out so the cops can arrest him. And I love the line. He's like, you wouldn't hit me now. Sure I would. You want me to you, – you wouldn't want me to grow up frustrated, do you? And <laughs> That's a good line. It's just like – and this is also a running gag in Fantastic Four because like the thing would always complain about growing up frustrated or developing a complex because he didn't get to hit people and uh, <laughs> work out his aggressions and stuff. Yeah, Jameson does his typical Jameson rants. You should be grateful, Mr. Jameson. Spider-Man saved your life. Balderdash, I'll sue that thing for using my boy as a decoy to trap the rhino. That creepy costume crumb can't fool J. Jonah Jameson. I'll see him behind bars yet. As like Joe, as John Jameson, like, you know, winks at Spider-Man from the window. Yeah. Gives him a little okay sign. Yeah. Which so was Peter- also really cool because this kind of informs their relationship for a long yeah. time. Yeah. As opposed to the last issue where they were beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> yeah. So Peter rides off on his motorcycle when a convertible pulls up that has the whole entire student body of ESU in it. <laughs> Basically, all, all three members. Hey, people, are you coming back late or starting out early? We all went out to discuss the big news, Peter. What big news? Didn't you hear? Flash has to report for a draft physical. Yeah, all of a sudden they can't win the war without me. Did you get your draft notice yet, Pete? Yeah, because this is really dated, because this is back when there was a draft going on. I got my draft notice today, didn't you? Oh, yeah, this, yeah. What about you, John? I don't fight. I'm a Quaker. I'm a pacifist. Well, you got <laughs> your, to burn your card, man. It's the age of Aquarius. Conscientious objector. It's That's the me. age of... <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, I haven't, Harry. I don't think they take Peter. He's a scholarship student at the very top of his class. Yes, because when the army's drafting people, the draft board's like, no, wait, we can't take him. He makes straight A's. The school needs him. Actually, that's exactly what they do. Really? Yeah, if you're if you're in school, uh, enrolled full-time and, and doing well, they, they you don't have to submit to the draft. Wow. Okay. So all, <laughs> those, those, are for the so all, those, hippies had to, <laughs> all those hippies had to do was get good grades? Yeah. <laughs> Realization 50 years later. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, I realized that there was more to it than the good grades. They didn't want the people there dying that were dying, but like, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way it's been explained to me. If I'm incorrect, then I've, I've been told wrong, but I've, I've been told that if you're in school doing well, you do not have to go to the draft. Yeah, yeah Peter, they want me to be part of something called the Venom Project. <laughs> I can't wait to see what kind of uniform I'll get. <laughs> uh. One thing's for sure, I'm always going to have my two legs. <laughs> oh my god! As he smiles into the reader, into the camera. <laughs> yep, these feet. I don't know what I'd do without them. Oh well. <laughs> god bless. You're so cruel, Josh. funny. <laughs> so, you know... Flash does his little ribbing on Peter, and, you know, Harry's like, oh, come on, it's time to bury the hatchet, because Harry's warmed up to Peter. Gwen doesn't say anything, and which makes Peter wonder in his head, I'll bet Mary Jane wouldn't just sit back and let Flash put me down, and, you know, compares her to Gwen, because Gwen hasn't put in a good word for him. He goes home, and Aunt May's out of medicine, so Peter freaks out and realizes, oh my god, how dare I have fun when Aunt May has no medicine in her cabinet. And he punches a hole through the wall. Yeah. 
So does he cancel the date because he doesn't want to spend money on Mary Jane because that money could go to for Aunt May's meds? Is that or on condoms? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He calls he calls Mary Jane, cancels the date as she's brushing her hair. That's okay, Tiger. I'll keep a stiff upper lip till you buzz me again. Here. Which makes Peter think, huh? Sounds as though she couldn't care less. So he's up in the room of angst and science, looking out the window, angsting again. What's wrong with me? I defeated some of the most powerful supervillains of all time without bad eye. But why? Do I have such trouble just managing my own life? Oh, well, at least Kirk Connors decided not to become the lizard again. <laughs> Next, the lizard crawls again. You know that. You know, when I, I was looking at that uh, coming up next issue, I, I see the word crawl space in so many things. You could put a P in there. It could be crawl space with the A after it. I don't know. I was doing a little <laughs> wheel of fortune there for a second. The lizard crawls again. Crawl space again, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of anticlimactic of them just meeting. I mean, but that just goes to the poor Peter. Oh, a, lot, a lot of the first part of the issue was developing Mary Jane as a wacky hip character, dad, dude, son, yeah. man. Son? But that that goes more to the soap opera angle of, man, this guy can't catch a break. Well, he can't catch a break because he took his own break away. Like, Ame doesn't have medicine in her cabinet. That means that if I go out on a date with Mary Jane, you know, she'll probably kneel over and die. I mean, for frick's sakes, you know, just ride on your motorcycle like you did before. That did, That didn't cost you any money. So after this, the rhino basically becomes a Hulk villain for a while and then just kind of goes away for a bit. And we're not going to see him on this show again for a very long time. I yeah, think. When does he come back? I mean, I just realized I'm, I'm, I've read up to like at least two ten consecutively. I'm not seeing him again. Marvel Team Up 102 is his next Spider-Man appearance. There's in a the Doc, 80s. Yeah, the Doc Samson team up. Good And grief. then he's not in Amazing again until 280. Are you wow. kidding me? Sinister Syndicate. Yep. That is a long wow. time. That's like being like an almost obscure. Wow. And I mean, really, other than a few Hulk books in like the 100s, he's not in that many books. I remember that issue of the Hulk where it was also another power record where him and the Abomination were going after the Hulk. A-bomb. Yeah, I'm just looking real quick. We've got several Hulk appearances in the 100s. A three-part Defenders story, one issue of a Hulk 218, and then Marvel Team-Up 102. So really like a half dozen stories for the next 10 years. I love the um, – 15 years. There's a really good Dematis and uh, Buscema spectacular issue with the Rhino where Harry Osborn just basically hires the Rhino to fuck around with Peter Parker. And Spider- Does that, is that the one where Spider-Man like, beats the crap out of him? Or is that yeah. kind of like- Oh, is yeah. he – is the cover like 134 of spec where he's like got him in a chokehold or whatever? I think I remember yeah. that issue. Uh, I don't think it was 134. It was much later in the run. George did a okay. Friday Night Fights on it. Yeah, yeah, he did. Come think of it, yeah. I can't believe the Rhino is absent from the late. Me neither, man. I really, I really didn't think about that. Amazing. That's nuts. He's just one of those villains that because of the way that he's so prominent now and because of you know. That, that's exactly in, in what it is. Animated series that like people assume that he was around lo- a lot longer than he was. Because when was I started, such a good villain too. When well, I started reading in 1990, they did the Deadly Foes of Spider-Man within my first year of collecting comics, and he was in that. And then he was an Amazing Spider-Man within a month of doing that. And so, whenever I found out he started up in you know 41, I just figured that you know that was the beginning of a string of appearances, and the Rhino's a big villain, and he's yeah. not. Huh. I like that Sinister Syndicate stuff back in the 80s with Friends and DeFalco. I haven't read it yet. Oh, really? I want to. 
That's good. So Mary Jane, what is she on? Is she high on life, high on drugs? She's an exciting character that is the opposite of Gwen. That's kind of a bookworm, shire. Okay, okay. We're we're doing this. <laughs> Don, Don knows that Brad stepped into this. Uh oh, what did I do? What did she it, step it, into? <laughs> this whole Gwen is a bookworm thing. Like, what are you basing this Gwen is a bookworm thing? Oh, don't. <laughs> I, I, I'll rephrase it. Uh, Gwen is an introvert. Uh, we need Mary Dragon Jane is an extrovert. Yeah. Gwen is an introvert. The same Gwen that like had all these guys crying around her. Date me, Gwen. Date me. Date me. Well, she's the one not who was an throwing parties. I'll, I'll I, think, I think Bertone's, uh, Bertone's point is that most of those conceptions of her are from retcons, not from the actuals, the way the stories have been told. Uh, if it is, though, is that like Gwen is as good as it gets in that little ESU circle crowd, but when Mary Chen comes by, she shows them what a w- real woman is, basically. <laughs> but in, in the books that we've seen, Gwen is just – I mean – Gwen isn't as far out in her, you know, carefreeness as Mary Jane is, but she's definitely an active girl, socially yeah. you know, engaging and everything. Even still, like Gwen, like I, I, when I think back on all of her appearances, she's very, she's to a certain level to degree, she is reserved. She is, you know, like like she she she's she's not nearly as she she just she just isn't or ever is as um as like party hardy as Mary Jane can be, even like when she lets her hair down, literally. And starts to dance and everything. And start banging Norman Osborn. Yeah, well, before she starts doing that. <laughs> that was the one time. I mean, you bang Norman Osborn once, and all of a sudden people... Once you just... go Goblin, you don't go back. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> my dear. Once you go green, the rest are too lean. <laughs> once you go green, they're all too mean. I think that uh, yeah. this issue definitely... And I think the last issue, but this issue for sure... He didn't have an anchor for John Romita... So Ramita's basically doing his own work, and I think the art, especially in black and white, looks absolutely gorgeous. I really lo- – and this this happens for the next few issues. I love uncut uh, John Ramita senior art because it looks just a lot more illustrative. There's a lot more – there's a ton more – tons of more subtle expressions on the people's faces. And just little details, which I can't even really describe, just makes them seem they, – they seem very dynamic and not even cart- – they kind of appear cart- cartoony from like a quick glance, but there's a lot of humanity in a lot of these faces. Even like in that one panel on page ten where Mary Jane's like, "Oh, Spidey, isn't he the dreamiest?" All these people have different faces and they have different facial expressions, which tell a certain perspective and a certain life behind these people's faces. And I think that Ramita Senior was really, really like this is Ramita, this is classic Ramita Senior artwork, and I think that. He is just in, in his absolute prime right now. He's going to be in this way for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite panels is the one where Mary Jane's uh, talking to Peter. He, she has her thumb and her index finger on his chin while he's asking her out for another date. Yep. It, it's a good shot. And uh, what else? Uh, Mary Jane uh, is high. <laughs> uh, just a bit. It took some of the edge off her, you know, before she met Peter. You guys really don't think she's high, do you? <laughs> are, are you, you really think she's smoking a dube? If I, she went, um, she, uh, I, I, I could debate on this for hours. Um, <laughs> probably, we have hours. We're not doing anything. Okay, okay, probably not. But okay. if I was working at a McDonald's and she applied for a job with me, I would make her take a drug test. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> 
based on retcons and stuff and what we know about her background, it makes me think that she wouldn't have done drugs. Because, like, you saw in um, the All My Past Remembered issue that, like, she actually was, like, very hardworking. She was working, like, multiple jobs to try and support her sister and her mom. And I think that drugs would have gone in the way of that. And then, like, you know, also as bad. She wouldn't have smoked on the weekends, though. Well, what is she? And then when she, all my, uh, all my past remembered. That's the uh, Defalco issue where she and Peter go for a walk in the park, oh, and she says, "Have, have I ever told you my origin story?" And then when you see like the way she was living when she first uh, moved to New York and parallel lives, and then the way that she talked to her sister in uh, the Proposal trilogy. I mean, she talks about like even when she first moved to New York, like during this period, like she was working, you know, and stuff and skipping meals at the Y and like, you know, to try and like save money for modeling gigs. I, I think at the I same don't... time, though, that that does lead a lot. That that would make it very easy for her to like chill out with a bud or something. <laughs> I would say that I. I... <laughs> I think with all the later understandings we get of Mary Jane's character, probably not. But the way she presents herself and the way she's written in the, her first big chunk of her life, she is definitely the type who would. Uh, and I say the type who would like it's a stereotype. She's She took the gobulin green. She seems to me the kind who would not be opposed to you know, smoking out when she wants to. But knowing what we do about how hard she works and everything. But then I, I, I say that and I have friends who are hard workers who put in, you know, really intense weeks and kick back with the bong on the weekends. So exactly, um, yeah. I honestly think if she's not high, it's just because she's not right now. I well, think she also enjoys cigarettes too. As we that's, that's, That was my thing. Like, like you yeah. know, it, I think you guys talk about this on the cross space, you know, one thing leads to another. I think that for a large majority of this past era – Maybe not. I think by the, by the time we are now in her life, in her in her life, character's history, at some point she had to have, but it never got to past a certain point. And maybe not even when we know her in the main history, but sometime in her life, I would say yes. Well, when she started smoking, um, in the in the Michelini run, she talked about how she hadn't done it since high school. And to me, if you haven't smoked cigarettes since high school, chances are you haven't done any other recreational drugs since high school. Well, that's my thing. I, I, I was here smoking weed in high school, but not by the time. Uh, I, I would disagree with that. There are people who smoke who don't smoke cigarettes. Oh yeah. Wait, but you said chances are. I'll agree with chances are. Okay, never mind. Yeah, just the, the implications, and then like what we've seen of her early life behind the scenes and the retcons. I don't think that I, I don't think that given her lifestyle, she would have done that because drugs would have gotten in the way. But I don't know. Well, this this is in the murky territory where I think that like. Um, it's it's one of those things like I know we're we're gonna talk about Harry Osborne down the line and how how much drugs he took and all the implications, but it's all like, what does this mean? Like, just what does this character action mean about this? How does this correlate to this? And I honestly, it could probably just go both either way, like Felicia Hardy. So Don had mentioned last issue that he thought Rhino's skin was permanently bonded to him, and I had argued the point, and it looks like I was wrong because it is definitely bonded to him here, although they melted off. And the immediately the immediate next issue, you were proven wrong. Exactly. Page six. Okay, this is what happened. Page six. The rhinos. We we the rhino is origining while he's crashing through stuff, <laughs> and um, then a guy in the crowd shouts, "If I was in charge, I'd toss an A bomb at him from the roof." So I go to my notes and I write, "Yeah, and destroy the entire city." There's a good reason you're not in charge, asshole. <laughs> and then I go back to the panel. Could be that's why you're not in charge. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on tonight. <laughs> on so, Brad, eight, yeah. 
Is oh sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But uh, is the Rhino your favorite Spider-Man villain ever? Oh no, um, <laughs> it, uh, he's top. Then why 10. are you here? <laughs> he's top ten. No, I'm here for Mary Jane. Uh, I'm Pass it, man. So Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Rhino a lot. He's a good visual uh, bad guy. I think he'd he'd work good as in a if they were going to do a movie. I think he would work well if they had to have more than one villain. I don't think he can carry mm. a film. I will but say I think, that the, the design is like the goofiest since the Electro design. You, you could modernize it. They've done it recently with the Ultimate Spider-Man in that uh, – what was it? Uh, the video game? The video game, he looked more modernized. I think I, I think you could uh, have maybe Norman Osborn plotting in the background, setting up a couple villains going after Spider-Man. The Scorcher, the Headsman. You could have like a shock, Electro or Shocker and the Rhino going after Spidey with the – Norman in the background putting it all together for a potential. As he often wants to do, yes. I mentioned yeah. it last episode, Brad. Um, Rhino, to me, is one of the deadliest of Spider-Man's villains. Cause yeah, he's a, he's a Hulk. His only purpose is to gore you through the belly with a horn on his head. Exactly. That's what he's trying to do. Shake trying, you all about. Every time he goes after Spider-Man, he is trying to do nothing but kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. He's, he's uh, He can go head-to-head with the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's a big threat. He's just his weaknesses is stupidity. Evidently, when he was introduced, the 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 origin story said he was supposed to get smarter, but I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so does everyone else in the in the universe. Yeah, the no science doubt. men misunderstood their science, or they exactly. maybe they just misscienced their science. Who knows? We were, we were talking science. about uh, Gwen's headband. This is also like ever since it, it almost seems like ever since like 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 modern Marvel, like the last five years. Everyone wants to draw Mary Jane in this costume. <laughs> I say costume, like 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 the baby oh, doll t-shirt. Oh, in, in, in the black in, t-shirt. In in splash pages and flashbacks yeah. and. In one more day, she's wearing this because yeah, exactly. that's so symbolic. Yeah, I, I remember um, uh, Casada said that it was supposed to be symbolic, and he was disappointed that no fans noticed it. Which oh, I, I did. Yeah, I, everyone noticed it. It just wasn't worth like talking it, about. It. Everyone except John Wilson. But who the it's hell? Like the default <laughs> image of Mary uh-huh. Jane. The default yeah. image of Mary Jane is that outfit. The default image of Gwen is the green trench coat and the headband. Exactly. The default image of Gwen is a tombstone. The, yeah, the, default, <laughs> the default image of Uncle Ben is a bunch of bullets in his like chest as he like you know gives oh, Peter Lord. sage sage advice about something like oh oh sewing. Only I forget the time that Uncle Ben gave me good advice about sewing. It's like the you know just for is- once I want a bad memory of Uncle Ben like Uncle Ben screwing up in something like the default image be- of Aunt May is the splash page with her and J. Jonah Jameson Singer. No, her, her Aunt May's default image is her in that apron. Ugh. Yeah, and then nothing else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, the show that's, is ruined. That's how we have Sunday night at the Parker House. Well, Bertoni's <laughs> the one who talked about how Aunt May was kind of hot in that one panel twenty issues ago. Her body, the what? way it was drawn. Are you? Was she a gilf? Big bottom bitch. <laughs> I, I, I would never plow Aunt May. I am not Nathan Lebunsky. I am not Willie Lumpkin. I am you're not, not. You're not a comic character. I am not Doctor Octopus. So you think you're too good enough to talk to Doctor Octopus, eh? The space yeah. spores thing with hmm. John Jameson. It's symbiotes. Yeah. I I know. Of course, we all know the whole man wolf star god thing that he goes through later, um, and that. Do the space spores ever come back, or does that Ruby yeah, now, ever that, dominate we'll, his destiny? I don't think so. I mean, like, I don't think it's. I, don't, I think it's one of those forgotten things that was forgotten forever until it came back in spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, and then now everyone's like, everyone knows that John Jameson got his powers from Jupiter. 
but um, you know, in the cartoon, it drove him crazy, and he he went to Ravencroft. Yeah, it, it's more. He's more known for Man Wolf and being Star God than uh, his little stint as crazy for Banshee Hulk. When, yeah, when, when I first read the issue, like, I really like, who I hasn't first read issue forty two, I was totally <laughs> juggernaut to according to Dan Slot. <laughs> Sorry, Don, go ahead. I was say when I when I first read issue forty two, like the first time few years, several years ago, I was totally expecting him to turn into Man Wolf because I thought why else would he be on the cover? But alas, I was mistaken. Oh, another thing I wanted to talk about is uh, it's actually recent Rhino movie news. Uh, oh, no. Paul, you know Paul Giamatti. Yes. He uh, what what's some movies he's been in? Uh, Sideways, the Lady in the Water. Sideways. He was, <laughs> he with the the Sandman. What was that movie? Mr. Sandman. Where they they were uh, they were wine. He, he was he was in that Clive Owen movie. They interviewed Paul Giamatti recently, and that he uh, said from his childhood that he remembers this issue, and he thought the Rhino was really cool, and he would like to play the Rhino if they ever do it in a Spider-Man movie. So I thought, what do you think of him as the Rhino? He was John Adams in the John Adams miniseries, and he was exactly. Fred, Fred. He was he was Santa Claus in the Fred Claus movie. There you go. Go ahead. Um, um, him as the Rhino. Yeah. I don't think he would fit at all. <laughs> I don't know, like, like, the rhino seems like, you know, as dumb as he is, and as kind of hapless as he is, isn't the rhino still supposed to be a big guy? Yeah. I don't think you would have to be, though. I think they could play it where he was a fuddy-duddy kind of guy who got turned into a tank. I mean, it's the suit, right? The rhino suit and the, and the steroids they give him that make him the rhino, so they could, they could convert him. That's my opinion. I'm saying, you're wrong, except that <laughs> you're wrong. So th- these issues, for sure, start the whole, like, one thing leads into another. They're setting up the lizard in this issue. Last issue, they set up the rhino because, you know, they had a scene with him. They had Daredevil in these issues. Do you think they're going to try to have him cross over again? No. He's just – I think it's what um, – I think it's half at least of what Brad said, just trying to bring attention to the Daredevil book. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was for sales, though. I think it was for Gene Colden's art. No, but you're right. This is – it's not just subplots that are being, you know – tapped into each issue it's it's the plots of issues being set up ahead of time and then and then delivered and i i think it's i think we're entering a great period oh yeah it's 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 fun to see stuff carry over to the next issue as opposed to that that was one thing with the dicko era which was i mean like only 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 the the betty crap would would carry over other issues the the villain stuff was always like freak of the week and now it's an ongoing saga with this yeah so who would have thought that when these issues came out, Mary Jane would end up being Spider-Man's long-term domestic partner? I mean, I mean, and they were going to be domestic partners together forever until the end of time. Forever. Do you think that, like, judging just judging on these uh, two appearances, I mean, I, I know it's it's almost a pigeonhole way to look at it, but I guess I guess Gwen do- would fit better if you were looking at these two issues and say, "Well, Peter's going to long-term one of these women." Chicks, girls. Well, he remembers being married to Gwen, but he doesn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I ignore that. I'm like, well, no, he forgets. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. He, he forgets. The other thing about it is that it's really easy to look back after all these years of continuity and say this is where he met his long-term domestic partner. But we did not move steadily up a ramp from here to the 1987 annual with their relationship. I mean, most of the time between now and then, they're not going to be either together or even talking. 
Yeah, it's 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 going to be a long time until um, they're even they're, they're like there's even a hint. Well, when it builds up to their relationship, I like that. I like the build up from Gwen's death to their kiss in the airports, and then Gwen's quote unquote return to him finally accepting that Mary Jane's the one for him and slamming that door so they can bang. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, how she won forty nine ends. Here, like, here, here, let's let's uh, tie it all in together because you said uh, the rhino doesn't appear until the two eighty ish issue. Issue two eighty, yeah. So he doesn't get long term until ten issues after that. Connection. Well, he proposes ten issues after that. Then they're like, actually, I don't want to be married at all. Yeah, the only engaged couple this issue is Ned Leeds and Betty Brands, and that's that, saying, that, uh, that takes a long time to get get going. I, I had some notes about that jackpot I've seen, and one of the things about the jackpot scene that's you know as iconic as it is, a lot of the times when it's been like redone in animated series and and like in retellings like Spider-Man Blue, Aunt Anna is like not there when Peter answers the door. She's kind of forgotten about. And also in retellings, one thing that I've noticed is that the scene will take place at Peter's house instead of at Anna Watson's house, mm. as it is here. Well, the Bullpen Bulletin's page this month brings us earth-shattering essays, eloquent epithets, and exaggerated endorsements which you can easily live without. There's really nothing about Spidey this month, though it turns out Channel 9 in New York did a big marketing campaign for the new Marvel superheroes cartoon. I hope there weren't too many disappointed viewers. That series does air this month... And there's another ad for it on the next page with Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, and Namor, each taking a day of the week. And according to TV.com, they ran 13 weeks of new episodes through the fall. With so few episodes, I have to think it just wasn't very well received, even though I know there are many people in listener land out there who have fond memories of it. The Spider's Web has a title again this month, which is good. There is more love for issues 39 and 40, and the new art from John Romita. Linda Osborne from Arlington, Massachusetts, received her Bachelor of Arts and her MMMS pin in the same week. It's kind of funny that she thought those were comparable achievements. Greg McDuffie from New Holland, Pennsylvania, is mad that they've ended the Green Goblin. He thought the Green Goblin was one of Spider-Man's greatest villains, and... He, you know, is kind of pissed off that they've just killed him. Their response is interesting. They say, as for the Green Goblin, he isn't really gone. Let's just say he went to that old supervillain's grazing ground up yonder. So even at this early point in the game, they knew they hadn't taken him off the chessboard completely. They had just set him aside to be used again later. And that pretty much wraps up our coverage of issue... 42 and 43, the beginning of Mary Jane Watson on this series. Well, thank you very much for being on the show with us tonight, Brad. It was always a good time to have you on the show. Thank you, sir. I don't I don't know when... Uh, well, I'm, I'm presuming I get a next time, but... Uh, I'm I'll, to I'll, I'll, don't call me. Uh, How about one more day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be 95 years old on the One More Day episode. I, you'll, you'll have me on then. Well, we, we've definitely we've got you written down for 1980 with the uh, the Hulk in the Olympics, and then the uh, the Hulk uh, you know when annual. When you get to 120 and 119 with the Hulk, I love those. Okay, I like those a lot. 
that, that, that's, a, that's a ways down the road. I'm sure we'll have you on before then because we've had you on three times in a year. And <laughs> what, happens was, a, what happens after the Hulk book? After what Hulk book? After, after 120. What happens after uh, that? What, that's one where Spider-Man has a cold and he fights the Green Goblin. <laughs> But of course, that's a long ways away. I want to thank you again very much for downloading this episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. And I want to say thank you very much to Brad Douglas for being on with us. This episode dealt with some topics that are sort of sensitive with Marvel right now. And somehow they got wind of this. I don't really know if Josh told them or Don. Somebody must have said something to Stephen Wacker or Joe Quesada or something because they got an email from Marvel saying that they needed this episode to, for review before I could publish it. So that's why it is running a little bit late this month. I don't know exactly why they want to see it, but obviously dealing with Mary Jane, and that is a hot-button topic for the last three or four years of Spider-Man history. So, I don't know. They just want to see it, and they said they'll post it to Libsyn for me. So, um, when this goes up, it'll be out of the hands of uh, Marvel and into your ears, and I hope that you enjoy the finished product. And uh, next time, we will be talking about issues 44 and 45 of Amazing Spider-Man, where we will see the return of the loquacious lizard. I couldn't think of another adjective beginning with L, and I know that he's not very loquacious. Actually, lizard at this point in time is pretty uh, verbose. So yeah, loquacious works. Anyways, hope to see you next time. I do hope to have that for you by the end of the month. School has been keeping me busy, but I would like to get that for you before April is done. If not, then just please be patient and understanding because it's a hard time of year. But um, I am very, very glad to say that we're not going to be holding you off for a month or two at a time this time around. So hopefully by the end of the month, if not very soon thereafter. Until then, thank you very much for listening to Amazing Spider-Man Classics in association with SpiderManCrawlspace.com. My name is John Wilson. Good night. I got I got some very big shoes to I guess fill with this Mary Jane voice. You have a Mary Jane voice? I know you got a Betty Brant voice. Yeah, I'm gonna have to if I'm mm-hmm. when I'm doing these issues. Yeah, dude. <laughs> when we're reading her dialogue, I can't just read her dialogue in my Bertoni voice. It's got to be sexy. <laughs> oh, oh, I can do sexy, Brad. Oh, God, never <laughs> say that again to me ever. <laughs> that is that is that is, that is made mean, my, knee, my knees meet. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can show you things, Brad. Show you things that you've never seen before. Oh my God! Face it tight, <laughs> I'm out out of here. <laughs> and Josh, you can announce your thing about um, cross-dressing as Aunt May or whatever it is you're going to do. If, oh, if I was being I was being half serious. Yeah, I guess we'll announce that it wasn't Aunt May. What the. F- I don't know what you said. <laughs> I said I was cosplay as Betty Brand if we got 50 reviews before July, which I figured that that's a big enough number that I'm probably safe. And worst comes to worst, if we get 50 reviews that are positive, that's totally awesome. And that'll end. Like, give you garlic so you can cry a lot. <laughs> I'll just like every conversation I'll have, I'll just run away crying. <laughs> Say Peter Parker picked a peck of pickled peppers. Peter Parker picked a pepper pepper. Pick a pick. Peter Parker picks a pepper. Peter Parker. Damn it. <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> All right. Ugh. Better be after you put him through that. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got 99 problems no, and they're all bitches. No, it's the <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> bitches can't live with them. Pass the beer nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Norm from Cheers. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> so diving right in, not to the bitches, but into the comics. Smiling Stan Lee, writer, jazzy Johnny Romita, artist, and. Whoa! What was that? Somebody just—I I tried to wipe my nose. nose, but it wiped the microphone. <laughs> That's awesome. You didn't wipe anything else. (laughs) Wipe out. (laughs) (laughs) I really thought I put this on Spider-Man. Okay, that's funny. That's what she said. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was to quickly put it on vibrate, but from the way she acted, I could tell it was too late. She said, said, there's a mystery here and I'm going to solve this. And I said, please don't go looking in the closet. No one remembers that? Trapped in the closet? Oh, no. Trapped in the closet. Yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> if you ever have an afternoon to waste, look up all the Trapped in the Closet videos on YouTube. <laughs> wow. He checks in the mirror. Then he checks in what was it? Was it? And the I dresser. Pull my, I pull out my beret. <laughs> yeah. Now he goes to the closet. Now he's, he's opening the closet. So what's new, John? <laughs> okay, so this is me getting the show back on track. <laughs> I have no idea what these two are talking about. I have no clue. <laughs> me neither. You got a YouTube uh, this shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. Okay, let's 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 finish up because uh, nothing else happens in our session. We're getting to the good part, son. Right. Dad. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Brother. <laughs> so. Well, we start with the cover, which has Rhino on the rampage. And Rhino's standing in the middle of... Ooh, I got a text message. <laughs> the Rhino got a text message? The Rhino got a text message, yeah. Stanley was very, um, you know... Clairvoyant. Uh, yeah, clairvoyant about these things. Brenda and Eddie were still going steady in the summer of 75. When they when announced they at the wedding... There it would be at the end of July. Dee, 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 dee. Everyone said they were crazy. Everyone knows that you're much too lazy. And anyone and Eddie can never afford to live that kind of life. Oh, but Brenda and Eddie would always run out to survive. Whoa. 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 Okay, Whoa. Well, well, they got an apartment or something. <laughs> and a couple of others here. What, what can't is this? This is a scene from an Italian restaurant by Billy Joel. I like that song. Okay. They started to fight oh. when the money got tight. They just didn't count on the tears. Oh. Whoa, whoa. 